Hello, listener. Thank you for listening to our content. Remember to follow us here on the platform. We prepared a graphic of the book with the author's key points and main ideas. Click that book graphic link in description now and have access to an illustrated material with simple and easy steps so you know everything about the book in minutes. The 5 a.m. Club. Own your morning. Elevate your life. By Robin Sharma. Chapter 1 The Dangerous Deed A gun would be too violent. A noose would be too ancient. And a knife blade to the wrist would be too silent. So, the question became, how could a once glorious life be ended swiftly and precisely, with minimum mess yet maximum impact? Only a year ago, circumstances had been dramatically more hopeful. The entrepreneur had been widely celebrated as a titan of her industry, a leader of society and a philanthropist. She was in her late thirties, steering the technology company she founded in her dorm room in college to ever-increasing levels of marketplace dominance while producing products that her customers revered. Yet now she was being blindsided, facing a mean-spirited and jealousy-fueled coup that would significantly dilute her ownership stake in the business she'd invested most of her life building, forcing her to find a new job. The cruelty of this remarkable turn of events was proving to be unbearable for the entrepreneur. Beneath her regularly icy exterior beat a caring, compassionate and deeply loving heart. She felt life itself had betrayed her. And that she deserved so much better. She considered swallowing a gigantic bottle of sleeping pills. The dangerous deed would be cleaner this way. Just take them all and get the job done fast, she thought. I need to escape this pain. Then, she spotted something on the stylish oak dresser in her all-white bedroom, a ticket to a personal optimization conference that her mother had given her. The entrepreneur usually laughed at people who attended such events, calling them broken-winged and saying they were seeking the answers of a pseudo-guru when everything they needed to live a prolific and successful life was already within them. Maybe it was time to rethink her opinion. She couldn't see many options. Either she'd go to the seminar and experience some breakthrough that would save her life. Or she'd find her peace. Via a quick death. Chapter 2 A Daily Philosophy on Becoming Legendary Do not allow your fire to go out, spark by irreplaceable spark in the hopeless swamps of the not quite, the not yet, and the not at all. Do not let the hero in your soul perish in lonely frustration for the life you deserved and have never been able to reach. The world you desire can be won. It exists. It is real. It is possible. It is yours. Ayn Rand. He was a speaker of the finest kind. A genuine spellbinder. Nearing the end of a fabled career and now in his eighties, he had become revered throughout the world as a grand master of inspiration, a legend of leadership and a sincere statesman helping everyday people realize their greatest gifts. In a culture filled with volatility, uncertainty and insecurity, the Spellbinders events drew stadium-sized numbers of human beings who longed not only to lead masterful lives filled with creativity, productivity and prosperity but also to exist in a way that passionately elevated humanity. So that, at the end, they would feel confident they had left a wonderful legacy and made their mark on the generations that would follow. This man's work was unique. 
It blended insights that fortified the warrior within our characters with ideas that honored the soulful poet who resides inside the heart. His messaging showed ordinary individuals how to succeed at the highest levels of the business realm yet reclaim the magic of a life richly lived. So, we returned to the sense of awe we once knew before a hard and cold world placed our natural genius into bondage by an orgy of complexity, superficiality and technological distraction. Though the spellbinder was tall, his advanced years left him slightly bent over. As he walked the platform, he stepped carefully yet gracefully. A precisely fitted charcoal gray suit with soft white pinstripes gave him an elegant look. And a pair of blue-tinted eyeglasses added just the right amount of cool. Life's too short to play small with your talents, the spellbinder spoke to the room of thousands. You were born into the opportunity as well as the responsibility to become legendary. You've been built to achieve masterwork-level projects, designed to realize unusually important pursuits and constructed to be a force for good on this tiny planet. You have it in you to reclaim sovereignty over your primal greatness in a civilization that has become fairly uncivilized. To restore your nobility in a global community where the majority shops for nice shoes and acquires expensive things yet rarely invests in a better self. Your personal leadership requires, no, demands, that you stop being a cyber zombie relentlessly attracted to digital devices and restructure your life to model mastery, exemplify decency, and relinquish the self-centeredness that keeps good people limited. The great women and men of the world were all givers, not takers. Renounce the common delusion that those who accumulate the most win. Instead, do work that is heroic, that staggers your marketplace by the quality of its originality as well as from the helpfulness it provides. While you do so, my recommendation is that you also create a private life strong in ethics, rich with marvelous beauty and unyielding when it comes to the protection of your inner peace. This, my friends, is how you soar with the angels and walk alongside the gods. The spellbinder paused. He drew in a gulp of air, as big as a mountain. His breathing grew strained and made a whooshing noise as he inhaled. He looked down at his stylish black boots that had been polished up to a military grade. Those in the front row saw a single tear drizzle down the time-worn yet once handsome face. His gaze remained downward. His silence was thunderous. The spellbinder appeared unsteady. After a series of stressful moments that had some in the audience shifting in their seats, the spellbinder put down the microphone he had been holding in his left hand. With his free hand, he tenderly reached into a pocket of his trousers and pulled out a crisply folded linen handkerchief. He wiped his cheek. Each of you has a call on your lives. Every one of you carries an instinct for excellence within your spirits. No one in this room needs to stay frozen in average and succumb to the mass mediocritization of behavior evident in society along with the collective deprofessionalization of business so apparent in industry. Limitation is nothing more than a mentality that too many good people practice daily until they believe it's reality. It breaks my heart to see so many potentially powerful human beings stuck in a story about why they can't be extraordinary, professionally and personally. You need to remember that your excuses are seducers, your fears are liars and your doubts are thieves. Many nodded. A few clapped. Then many more applauded. I understand you. I really do, continued the spellbinder. I know you've had some difficult times in your life. We all have. 
I get that you might be feeling things haven't turned out the way you thought they would when you were a little kid, full of fire, desire, and wonder. You didn't plan on each day looking the same, did you? In a job that might be smothering your soul. Dealing with stressful worries and endless responsibilities that stifle your originality and steal your energy. Lusting after unimportant pursuits and hungry for the instant fulfillment of trivial desires, often driven by a technology that enslaves us instead of liberating us. Living the same week a few thousand times and calling it a life. I need to tell you that too many among us die at 30 and are buried at 80. So, I do get you. You hope things would be different. More interesting. More exciting. More fulfilling, special and magical. The spellbinder's voice trembled as he spoke these last words. He struggled to breathe for an instant. A look of concern caused his brow to crinkle. He sat down on a cream-colored chair that had been carefully placed at the side of the stage by one of his assistants. And, yes, I am aware that there are also many in this room who are currently leading lives you love. You're an epic success in the world, fully on your game and enriching your families and communities with an electricity that borders on otherworldly. Nice work. Bravo. And, yet, you too have experienced seasons where you've been lost in the frigid and dangerous valley of darkness. You, too, have known the collapse of your creative magnificence as well as your productive eminence into a tiny circle of comfortableness, fearfulness and numbness that betrayed the mansions of mastery and reservoirs of bravery inside of you. You, too, have been disappointed by the barren winters of a life weakly lived. You, too, have been denied many of your most inspired childhood dreams. You, too, have been hurt by people you trusted. You, too, have had your ideals destroyed. You, too, have had your innocent heart devastated, leaving your life decimated, like a ruined country after ambitious foreign invaders infiltrated it. The cavernous conference hall was severely still. No matter where you are on the pathway of your life, please don't let the pain of an imperfect past hinder the glory of your fabulous future. You are so much more powerful than you may currently understand. Splendid victories, and outright blessings, are coming your way. And you're exactly where you need to be to receive the growth necessary for you to lead the unusually productive, extremely prodigious, and exceptionally influential life that you've earned through your harshest trials. Nothing is wrong at this moment, even if it feels like everything's falling apart. If you sense your life's a mess right now, this is simply because your fears are just a little stronger than your faith. With practice, you can turn down the volume of the voice of your scared self and increase the tone of your most triumphant side. The truth is that every challenging event you've experienced, each toxic person that you've encountered and all the trials you've endured have been perfect preparation to make you into the person that you now are. You needed these lessons to activate the treasures, talents and powers that are now awakening within you. Nothing was an accident. Zero was a waste. You're definitely exactly where you need to be to begin the life of your most supreme desires. One that can make you an empire builder along with a world changer. And perhaps even a history maker. This all sounds easy but it's a lot harder in reality, shouted a man in a red baseball cap, seated in the fifth row. He sported a gray t-shirt and ripped jeans, the type you can buy torn at your local shopping mall. Though this outburst could have seemed disrespectful, the pitch of the participant's voice and his body language displayed genuine admiration for the spellbinder. 
I agree with you, you wonderful human being, responded the spellbinder, his grace influencing all participants and his voice sounding somewhat stronger, as he stood up from his chair. Ideas are worth nothing unless backed by application. The smallest of implementations is always worth more than the grandest of intentions. And if being an amazing person and developing a legendary life was easy, everyone would be doing it. Know what I mean? Sure, dude, replied the man in the red cap as he rubbed his lower lip with a finger. Society has sold us a series of mistruths, the spellbinder continued. That pleasure is preferable to the terrifying yet majestic fact that all possibility requires hard work, regular reinvention and a dedication as deep as the sea to leaving our harbors of safety, daily. I believe that the seduction of complacency and an easy life is 100 times more brutal, ultimately, than a life where you go all in and take an unconquerable stand for your brightest dreams. World class begins where your comfort zone ends is a rule the successful, the influential and the happiest always remember. The man nodded. Groups of people in the audience were doing the same. From a young age, we are programmed into thinking that moving through. Life loyal to the values of mastery, ingenuity and decency should need little effort. And so, if the road gets tough and requires some patience, we think we're on the wrong path, commented the spellbinder as he grasped an arm of the wooden chair and folded his thin frame into the seat again. We've encouraged a culture of soft, weak and delicate people who can't keep promises, who bail on commitments and who quit on their aspirations the moment the smallest obstacle shows up. The orator then sighed loudly. Heart is good. Real greatness and the realization of your inherent genius is meant to be a difficult sport. Only those devoted enough to go to the fiery edges of their highest limits will expand them. And the suffering that happens along the journey of materializing their special powers, strongest abilities and most inspiring ambitions is one of the largest sources of human satisfaction. A major key to happiness, an internal peace, is knowing you've done whatever it took to earn your rewards and passionately invested the effortful audacity to become your best. Jazz legend Miles Davis stretched himself ferociously past the normal as field knew to fully exploit his magnificent potential. Michelangelo sacrificed enormously mentally, emotionally, physically and spiritually as he produced his awesome art. Rosa Parks, a simple seamstress with outstanding courage, endured blunt humiliation when she was arrested for not giving up her seat on a segregated bus, igniting the civil rights movement. Charles Darwin demonstrated the kind of resolve that virtuosity demands by studying barnacles, yes, barnacles, for eight long years as he formulated his famed theory of evolution. This kind of dedication to the optimization of expertise would now be labeled as crazy by the majority in our modern world that spends huge amounts of their irreplaceable lifetime watching streams of selfies, the breakfasts of virtual friends and violent video games, noted the spellbinder as he peered around the hall as if committed to looking each of the attendees straight in the eye. Stephen King worked as a high school writing teacher and in an industrial laundry before selling Carrie, the novel that made him famous, the aging presenter continued. Oh, and please know that King was so discouraged by the rejections and denials that he threw the manuscript he wrote in his rundown trailer into the garbage, surrendering to the struggle. It was only when his wife, Tabitha, discovered the work while her husband was away, wiped off his cigarette ashes, read the book and then told its author that it was brilliant that King submitted it for publication. Even then, his advance for hardcover rights was a paltry $2,500. 
Are you serious? murmured a woman seated near the stage. She wore a lush green hat with a big scarlet feather sticking out of it and was clearly content with marching to her own drumbeat. I am, said the spellbinder. And while Vincent van Gogh created 900 paintings and over 1,000 drawings in his lifetime, his celebrity started after his death. His drive to produce wasn't inspired by the ego fuel of popular applause but by a wiser instinct that enticed him to see just how much of his creative power he could unlock, no matter how much hardship he had to endure. Becoming legendary is never easy. But I'd prefer that journey to the heartbreak of being stuck in ordinary that so many potentially heroic people deal with constantly, articulated the spellbinder firmly. Anyway, let me simply say that the place where your greatest discomfort lies is also the spot where your largest opportunity lies. The beliefs that disturb you, the feelings that threaten you, the projects that unnerve you and the unfoldments of your talents that the insecure part of you is resisting are precisely where you need to go to. Lean deeply toward these doorways into your bigness as a creative producer, seeker of personal freedom and possibilitarian and then embrace these beliefs, feelings, and projects quickly instead of structuring your life in a way that's designed to dismiss them. Walking into the very things that scare you is how you reclaim your forgotten power, and how you get back the innocence and all you lost after childhood. Suddenly, the spellbinder started to cough. Mildly at first. Then violently, like he'd been possessed by a demon hellbent on revenge. In the wings, a man in a black suit with an aggressive crew cut spoke into a mouthpiece tucked discreetly into his shirt cuff. The lights began to flicker, then dim. A few audience members who were located near the platform stood, unsure of what to do. A uniquely pretty woman with her hair in a crisp bun, a clenched smile and a tight black dress with an embroidered white collar rushed up the metal staircase that the spellbinder had ascended at the beginning of his talk. She carried a phone in one hand and a well-worn notebook in another. Her red high heels made a click-clack, click-clack sound as she raced toward her employer. Yet, the woman was too late. The spellbinder crumpled to the floor like a punch-drunk boxer with a large heart but weak skills in the final round of a once-glorious career that he should have ended many years earlier. The old presenter lay still. A tiny river of blood escaped from a cut to his head, sustained on his fall. His glasses sat next to him. The handkerchief was still in his hand. His once sparkling eyes remained closed. Chapter 3 An Unexpected Encounter with a Surprising Stranger Do not live as if you have ten thousand years left. Your fate hangs over you. While you are still living, while you still exist on this earth, strive to become a genuinely great person. Marcus Aurelius, Roman Emperor. The entrepreneur lied to the people she met at the seminar, telling them she was in the room to learn the spellbinder's fabulous formulas for exponential productivity as well as to discover the neuroscience beneath personal mastery that he had been sharing with leaders of industry. She mused that her expectation was that the guru's methodology would give her an unmatchable edge over her firm's competition, allowing the business to swiftly scale toward indisputable dominance. You know the real reason she was there, she needed her hope restored. And her life saved. The artist had come to the event to understand how to fuel his creativity and multiply his capability so he could make an enduring mark on his field by the paintings he generated. And the homeless man appeared to have sneaked into the conference hall while no one was watching.
the entrepreneur and the artist had been seated together. This was the first time they'd met. Do you think he's dead? She asked as the artist fidgeted with his dangling Bob Marley dreadlocks. The entrepreneur's face was angular and long. A wealth of wrinkles and weighty crevices ran along her forehead like ruts in a farmer's fresh field. Her brown hair was medium in length and styled in an I mean business and dare not mess with me kind of a way. She was lean, like a long-distance runner, with thin arms and lithe legs that emerged from a sensible blue designer skirt. Her eyes looked sad, from old hurts that had never been healed. And from the current chaos that was infecting her beloved company. Not sure. He's old. He fell hard. God, that was wild. Never seen anything like it, the artist said anxiously as he tugged on an earring. I'm new to his work. I'm not into this sort of thing, the entrepreneur explained. She stayed seated, her arms folded over a cream-colored blouse with a colossal floppy black bow tie perched fashionably at the neckline. But I liked a lot of his information on productivity in this era of devices destroying our focus and our ability to think deeply. His words made me realize I have to guard my cognitive assets in a far better way, she carried on, fairly formally. She had no real interest in sharing what she was going through, and she obviously wanted to protect her facade of an illustrious businesswoman ready to rise to the next level. Yeah, he's deaf hip, said the artist, looking nervous. He's helped me so much. Can't believe what just went down. Surreal, right? He was a painter. Because he wanted to elevate his craft as well as improve his personal life, he followed the spellbinder's work. But, for whatever reason, the demons within him seemed to hold power over his greater nature. So, he'd inevitably sabotage his Herculean ambitions and wonderfully original ideas. The artist was heavy. A goatee jutted out from under his chin. He wore a black t-shirt and long black shorts that fell below his knobby knees. Black boots with rubber soles, the kind you may have seen Australians wear, completed the creative uniform. A fascinating cascade of tattoos rolled down both arms and across his left leg. One said, rich people are fakers. Another stole a line from Salvador Dali, the famed Spanish artist. It read simply, I don't do drugs. I am drugs. Hi, guys, the homeless man spoke inappropriately loudly from a few rows behind the entrepreneur and the artist. The auditorium was still emptying, and the audiovisual crew was noisily tearing down the staging. Event staff swept the floor. A Nightmares on Wax song played soothingly in the background. The two new acquaintances turned around to see a tangled mess of wild person hair a face that looked like it hadn't been shaved in decades and a tattered arrangement of terrifically stained clothing. Yes? asked the entrepreneur in a tone as cold as an ice cube in the Arctic. Can I help you? Hey, brother, what's up? offered the artist, more compassionately. The homeless man got up, shuffled over and sat next to the two. Do you think the gurus croaked? he asked as he picked at a scab on one of his wrists. Not sure, the artist replied as he twirled another dreadlock. Hope not. Did you guys like the seminar? You into what the old-timer said, continued the scruffy stranger. Deaf, said the artist. I love his work. I have a hard time living at all, but what he says is profound. And powerful. I'm not so sure, the entrepreneur said cynically. 
I like a lot of what I heard today, but I'm still not convinced on some other things. I'll need some time to process it all. Well, I think he's numero uno, stated the homeless man with a burp. I made my fortune thanks to the teachings of the spellbinder. And have enjoyed a pretty world-class life because of him, too. Most people wish for phenomenal things to happen to them. He taught me that exceptional performers make phenomenal things happen to them. And the great thing is, he not only gave me a secret philosophy to get my big dreams done, but he taught me the technology, the tactics and tools, to translate the information into results. His revolutionary insights on how to install a fiercely productive morning routine alone transformed the impact I've had on my marketplace. A jagged scar ran along the homeless man's forehead, just above his right eye. His threatening beard was gray. Around his neck he sported a beaded necklace, like the ones Indian holy men wear at their temples. Though his hyperbole made him sound unstable and his visage made it appear that he'd lived on the streets for many years, his voice displayed an irregular sense of authority. And his eyes revealed the confidence of a lion. Total crackpot, the entrepreneur whispered to the artist. If he's got a fortune, I'm Mother Teresa. Got you. He seems insane, the artist replied. But check out his humongous watch. On the left wrist of the homeless man, who seemed to be in his late 60s, was one of those massive timepieces that British hedge fund managers are prone to wear when they go out to dinner in Mayfair. Hello, listener. Thank you for listening to our content. Remember to follow us here on the platform. We prepared a graphic of the book with the author's key points and main ideas. Click that book graphic link in description now and have access to an illustrated material with simple and easy steps so you know everything about the book in minutes. It had a dial the color of a revolver surrounded by a stainless steel rim, a red needle-thin hour hand, and a sunset orange minute hand. This noteworthy badge of honor was united with a wide black rubber strap, lending a diver-like feel to the whole luxurious look. A hundred grand, easily, said the entrepreneur discreetly. Some of the people at my shop bought watches like that the day after our IPO. Unfortunately, our share price plummeted. But they kept their damn timepieces. So, what part of the spellbinder's talk did you cats like best? The vagabond asked, still scratching his wrist. Was it all the stuff about the psychology of genius that he started out with? Or maybe those incredible models he taught on the productivity hacks of billionaires that he jammed on in the middle? Maybe you were stoked by all the neurobiology that creates top performance. Or did you vibe with his theory on our responsibility to reach legendary while serving as an instrument for the benefit of humanity that he walked us through before that dramatic finish? The homeless man then winked and glanced at his big watch. Hey, dudes, this has been fun. But time is one of the most precious commodities I've learned to bulletproof. Warren Buffett, the brilliant investor, said the rich invest in time. The poor invest in money. So I can't hang with you humans too long. Got a meeting with a jet and a runway. Know what I mean? He seems to be delusional, thought the entrepreneur. Buffett also said, I buy expensive suits. They just look cheap on me. Maybe you'll remember that quote, too. And, she continued, I really don't mean to be rude, but I'm not sure how you got in here. And I have no idea where you got that fat watch from or what jet you're talking about. 
and please stop speaking the way you do about what happened at the presentation. Nothing funny about it. Seriously, I'm not sure the gentleman's still breathing. Deaf true, the artist agreed as he stroked his goatee. Not cool. And why do you talk like a surfer? Hey guys, chill, said the homeless man. First, I am a surfer. I spent my teenage years on a board in Malibu. Used to ride near a point where the rad breaks are. Now I surf the smaller waves in Tamarind Bay, a spot you cats have probably never been to. Never heard of the place. You're fairly outrageous, the entrepreneur said frostily. The homeless man was unstoppable. And second, I have been very successful in the business world. I've built a bunch of companies that are extremely profitable in this age of firms making billions in income yet nothing on their bottom line. What a joke. The world's going a little berserk. Too much greed and not enough good sense. And third, if I may, he added as his gravelly voice grew stronger, there is a plane waiting for me. On a tarmac not so far from here. So, before I go, I'll ask you again, because I want to know. What part of the Spellbinders presentation did you two like best? Pretty much the whole thing, the artist answered. Loved it all so much, I recorded every word the old legend said. That's illegal, cautioned the homeless man, crossing his arms firmly. You could get into serious lawyer trouble doing that. It is against the law, confirmed the entrepreneur. Why would you do that? Because I wanted to. Just felt like it. I do what I want to do. Rules are made for destruction, you know? Picasso said you should learn the rules like a pro so you can break them like an artist. Need to be myself and not some sheep with no balls, blindly following the flock down a path that leads to nowhere. Most people, especially people with cash, are nothing but a bunch of frauds, declared the artist. It's like the spellbinder sometimes says, you can fit in. Or you can change the world. You don't get to do both. So, I recorded the whole thing. Shoot me. And jail would be interesting. I'd probably meet some cool people in there. Um, okay, said the homeless man. I don't like your decision. But I do love your passion. So, go ahead. Bring it on. Play the parts of the seminar that turned you on. Everything I recorded will blow your mind. The artist raised his arm to reveal a detailed tattoo of guitar virtuoso Jimi Hendrix. The phrase when the power of love overcomes the love of power, the world will know peace appeared over the dead superstar's face. You're about to hear something special, he added. Yes. Go ahead and play the parts you liked, encouraged the entrepreneur as she stood up. She wasn't quite sure why but, ever so slightly, something was beginning to shift deep within her core. Maybe life has been breaking me down, she thought. So I can make some sort of a breakthrough. Being at this event, meeting the artist, hearing the spellbinder's words, even if she didn't agree with all he said, was giving her the feeling that what she was experiencing at her firm just might be some form of preparation demanded by her greatness. The entrepreneur was still skeptical. But she sensed she was opening. And possibly growing. So, she promised herself she'd keep following this process instead of retreating. Her former way of existing no longer served her. It was time for a change. The entrepreneur thought about a quote she loved from Theodore Roosevelt, 
It's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles, or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes up short again and again because there is no effort without error and shortcoming, but who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring. Greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. She also recalled the phrase she'd learned from the spellbinder's address, something like the moment when you most feel like giving up is the instant when you must find it in you to press ahead. And so, the businesswoman reached deep within herself and made a vow to continue her quest to find her answers, solve her problems and experience vastly better days. Her hope was gradually expanding, and her worries were slowly shrinking. And the small, still voice of her finest self was beginning to whisper that a very special adventure was about to begin. Chapter 4 Letting Go of Mediocrity and All That's Ordinary Why, sometimes I've believed as many as six impossible things before breakfast. Lewis Carroll, Alice in Wonderland you're a painter, right? The homeless man asked as he toyed with a loose button on his shabby shirt. Yeah, mumbled the artist. Sort of a frustrated one. I'm good. But not great. I have a lot of art at my flat in Zurich, said the homeless man, smiling indulgently. Bought a place right on the Bahnhofstrasse just before the prices skyrocketed. I've learned the importance of being around only the highest quality, wherever I go. That's one of the best winning moves I've made to create the life I've crafted. In my businesses, I only allow in top players, because you can't have an A-level company with C-level performers. We only release products that totally disrupt our market and then absolutely change the field by how valuable they are. My enterprises only offer services that ethically enrich our clients, deliver a breathtaking user experience and breed fanatical followers who couldn't imagine doing business with anyone else. And in my personal life, it's the same thing. I only eat the best food, though I don't eat a lot of it. I only read the most original and thoughtful books, spend my time in the most light-filled and inspiring of spaces and visit the most enchanting of places. And when it comes to relationships, I only surround myself with human beings who fuel my joy, stoke my peace and excite me to become a better man. Life's way too valuable to hang with people who don't get you. Who you just don't vibe with who have different values and lower standards than you do, who have different mindsets, heart sets, health sets, and soul sets. It's a little miracle how powerfully and profoundly our influences and environments shape our productivity as well as our impact. Interesting, noted the entrepreneur as she stared at her phone. He does seem to know what he's talking about, she muttered softly to the artist, her eyes still down on the screen. The spider's web of wrinkles on her face relaxed further. On one wrist dangled two immaculate silver bracelets. One bore the phrase turn I can'ts into I can'ts, while the other was engraved with done is better than perfect. The entrepreneur had purchased these presents for herself when her company was in its startup phase and she'd been in a highly confident mood. I know about mindsets, said the artist. Never heard of heart sets, health sets, and soul sets, man. 
you will, suggested the homeless man. And once you do, the way you create, produce, and show up in your world will never be the same. Seriously revolutionary concepts for any empire maker and world builder. And so few business people and other human beings on the planet currently know about them. If they did, every important element of their lives would increase rapidly. For now, I just wanted to keep jamming on my personal commitment to ultra-high quality, in everything around me. Your surroundings really do shape your perceptions, your inspirations, and your implementations. Art feeds my soul. Great books battle-proof my hope. Rich conversations magnify my creativity. Wonderful music uplifts my heart. Beautiful sights fortify my spirit. And all it takes is a single morning filled with positivity to deliver a monumental download of inventive ideas that elevate an entire generation, you know. And I need to say that uplifting humankind is the master sport of business that the top 5% play. The real purpose of commerce is not only to make your personal fortune. The true reason to be in the game is to be helpful to society. My main focus in business is to serve. Money, power, and prestige are just the inevitable byproducts that have shown up for me along the way. An old and remarkable friend taught me this way of operating when I was a young man. It totally transformed the state of my prosperity and the magnitude of my private freedom. And this contrarian business philosophy has dominated my way of doing things ever since. Who knows, maybe I'll introduce my mentor to you sometime. The vagrant paused. He studied his large watch. Next he closed his eyes and said these words, Own your morning. Elevate your life. As if by magic, a fairly small and quite thick piece of white paper appeared in the palm of his outstretched left hand. It was quite a trick. You would have been exceedingly impressed if you were standing there with these three souls. Here's what the image on the paper looked like. The entrepreneur and the artist both had their mouths open at this point, appearing to be both confused and mesmerized. You two each have a hero inside of you. You knew this as a child before adults told you to limit your powers, shackle your genius and betray the truths of your heart, the homeless man told them, sounding a lot like the spellbinder. Adults are deteriorated children, he went on. When you were much younger, you understood how to live. Staring at stars filled you with delight. Running in a park made you feel alive. And chasing butterflies flooded you with joy. Oh, how I adore butterflies. Then, as you grew up, you forgot how to be human. You forgot how to be bold and enthusiastic and loving and wildly alive. Your precious reservoirs of hope faded. Being ordinary became acceptable. The lamp of your creativity, your positivity and your intimacy with your greatness grew dim as you began to worry about fitting in, having more than others and being popular. Well, here's what I say, participate not in the world of numbed-out grown-ups, with its scarcity, apathy and limitation. I'm inviting you to enter a secret reality known only to the true masters, great geniuses and genuine legends of history. And to discover primal powers within you that you never knew were there. You can create magic in your work and personal lives. I sure have. And I'm here to help you do so. Before the entrepreneur and the artist could utter even a word, the homeless man continued his discourse. Oh, I was jamming on the importance of art. And the ecosystem that your life is built within. 
makes me think of the awesome words of the Portuguese writer Fernando Pessoa, art frees us, through illusion, from the squalor of being. While feeling the wrongs and sufferings endured by Hamlet, Prince of Denmark, we don't feel our own, which are vile because they're ours and vile because they're vile. Also reminds me of what Vincent van Gogh said, for my part one know nothing with any certainty, but the sight of the stars makes me dream. The homeless man swallowed hard. His eyes darted away. He cleared his throat nervously. Guys, I've been through a lot. Been knocked down and kicked around a ton by life. Been sick. Been attacked. Been abused. Been misused. Hey, I'm sounding like a country song. If my gal cheated on me and my dog died, I'd have a hit single. The homeless man laughed. An odd, guttural, circus clown on acid sort of laugh. He carried on. Anyway, it's all good. Pain is the doorway into deep. Know what I mean? And tragedy is nature's great purifier. It burns away the fakeness, fear and arrogance that is of the ego. Returns us to our brilliance and genius, if you have the courage to go into that which wounds you. Suffering yields many rewards, including empathy, originality, relatability and authenticity. Jonas Salk said, I have had dreams and I've had nightmares, but I have conquered my nightmares because of my dreams, the uninvited vagabond added wistfully. He's super weird. Incredibly eccentric. But there's something special to him, admitted the entrepreneur quietly to the artist, removing just a little more of the armor of cynicism that had protected her over her stellar career. What he just said is exactly what I've needed to hear. I get that he looks like he lives in a cardboard box on the streets. But listen to his words. Sometimes he speaks like a poet. How could he be so articulate? Where did his depth come from? And who is this old friend he says has taught him so much? He also has a warmth that reminds me of my dad. I still miss him. He was my confidant. My top supporter. And my best friend. I think of him every day. Okay, said the artist to the quirky stranger. You asked me what I liked best from the talk. I def liked the part where the spellbinder talked about the Spartan warrior credo that says, one who sweats more in training bleeds less in war. And I liked his line high victory is made in those early morning hours when no one's watching and while everyone else is sleeping. His teachings on the value of a world-class morning routine were great. The entrepreneur glanced down at her device. I've taken some good notes. But I didn't pick up those gems, she said as she captured what she had just heard. We only hear what we're ready to hear, observed the homeless man sagely. All learning meets us exactly where we're at. And as we grow greater, we understand better. The voice of the spellbinder suddenly rang out. The homeless man's eyes looked as huge as the Taj Mahal. One could see he was terrifically surprised to hear that famous tone. He spun around, seeking the source. Quickly, all became clear. The artist was playing his illicit recording from the seminar. Here's the part one liked most, to fully answer your question, brother, he stated, staring directly into the eyes of the shabby tramp. In a culture of cyber zombies, addicted to distraction and afflicted with interruption, the wisest way to guarantee that you consistently produce mastery-level results in the most important areas of your professional and personal life is to install a world-class morning routine. 
winning starts at your beginning. In your first hours are when heroes are made. Wage a war against weakness and launch a campaign against fearfulness. You truly can get up early. And doing so is a necessity in your awesome pursuit toward legendary. Take excellent care of the front end of your day, and the rest of your day will pretty much take care of itself. Own your morning. Elevate your life. The spellbinder could be heard wheezing like a novice swimmer who went too far, too fast. The artist continued presenting his recording, turning up the volume so the sound was blaring. Here's the precious little secret that the titans of industry, the standout performers of artistry and the ultra-achievers of humanity will never share with you. Gargantuan results are much less about your inherited genetics and far more about your daily habits. And your morning ritual is by far the most essential one to calibrate. And then automate. When we see the icons in action, the forceful seduction sold to us by our civilization is to believe they were always that great. That they were born into their exceptionalism. That they won the fortunate DNA lottery. That their genius was inherited. Yet the truth is that we are watching them in their full blazing glory after years of following a process, one that involved ceaseless hours of practice. When we observe magnificent players in business, sport, science and the arts we are observing the earned results of a monomaniacal concentration around a single pursuit, astronomical focus on one skill, intensity of sacrifice applied to one aim, unusual levels of deep preparation and extreme amounts of solid patience. Remember, every professional was once an amateur, and every master started as a beginner. Ordinary people can accomplish extraordinary feats, once they've routinized the right habits. This cat is so solid, said the homeless man. He clapped his dirty hands like a kid at a carnival. He checked his watch yet again. Then he began to shuffle his feet while swaying his hips forward then backward. His hands were now waving in the air and he was snapping his fingers, with closed eyes again. Sounds like the early rappers used to make without their boom boxes emerged from his cracked lips. You would have been astonished to watch him in action. What the hell are you doing? shouted the artist. Dancing, replied the homeless man, moving gloriously. Keep bringing me this beautiful knowledge. Socrates said, education is the kindling of a flame. And Isaac Asimov wrote self-education is, I believe, the only kind of education there is. So, keep playing the old guru's words, dude. It's all so gnarly. The artist resumed the recording. Heavily resist all piracy of your mastery from this world tempting you into distractibility and causing digital dementia. Force your attention back to the Everests of potential aching for fuller expression and, today, release all reasons that feed any stagnation of your strengths. Start being an imaginationalist, one of those rare individuals who leads from the nobility of your future versus via the prison bars of your past. Each of us thirsts for days filled with tiny bursts of the miraculous. Every one of us wishes to own our pure heroism and step into unchained exceptionalism. All human beings alive at this moment have a primitive psychological need to produce masterworks that wow, live daily amidst uncommon awe and know that we are somehow spending our hours in a way that enriches the lives of others. The poet Thomas Campbell said it beautifully when he observed, to live in hearts we leave behind is not to die. Each of us, truly, has been built to make history, in our own authentic way. For one, this might mean being an excellent coder or a fine teacher who lifts young minds. 
for another, this opportunity could mean becoming a tremendous mother or a magnificent manager. To yet another, this good fortune may mean growing a great business or being a fantastic salesperson who serves customers superbly. This chance to be remembered by future generations and lead a life that truly matters is not some platitude. This is, in fact, a truth. Yet, so few of us have discovered, and then installed, the very mentalities, morning practices and consistent conditions that will guarantee these results appear for us. We all want to reaccess our birthright of towering talent, limitless joy and freedom from fear, but few of us are willing to do the very things that would cause our hidden genius to present itself. Strange, right? And it's very sad. The majority of us have been hypnotized out of the luminosity that is our essence. Most of us in this age spend our most valuable hours being busy being busy. Chasing trivial pursuits and artificial amusements while neglecting living a real life. This is a formula for heartbreak at the end. What's the point of spending your best mornings and potentially productive days climbing mountains that you realize were the wrong ones when you are frail and wrinkled? Very sad. That part really resonated with me, interjected the entrepreneur, slightly emotionally. I'm definitely addicted to my technology. Can't stop checking everything. First thing in the morning and last thing at night. It's draining my concentration. I can hardly focus on the important deliverables my team and I have committed to. And all the noise in my life is taking my energy. It all feels so complicated. I just don't feel I have any time for myself anymore. It's fairly overwhelming, all the messages and notifications and ads and diversions. And what the spellbinder said is also so helpful to me as I raise my standards as a leader. I've sort of hit a wall. My company has grown faster than I ever expected. I've become more successful than I ever imagined. But there are some things causing me a ton of stress. She looked away and crossed her arms again. I can't tell them what I'm really dealing with, thought the entrepreneur. Then she continued, I've had to let go of people I really liked because I've learned people who fit at one stage of a business's life cycle may not work as the firm evolves. That's been hard. They were the right employees for an earlier time but they don't belong now. And some things are unfolding at my shop that have turned my life upside down. I don't really want to get into it. It's just a very shaky time for me. Well, on your point about elevating your leadership game, responded the homeless man, please remember that the job of the leader is to help disbelievers embrace your vision, the powerless to overcome their weaknesses and the hopeless to develop faith. And what you said on letting go of employees you liked but who no longer fit where your business is now at, that's a normal part of growing a business. And it happened because they failed to grow as your enterprise rose. They started coasting. They stopped learning, inventing and making everything they touched better than they found it. And as a result they stopped being awesome value incubators for your venture. They likely blamed you. But they did it to themselves, the uninvited stranger indicated, surprising his listeners by the sophistication of his insights on team building and winning in commerce. Ah. Uh, exactly, replied the entrepreneur. So we had to leave them behind since they no longer delivered the results we were paying them for. A lot of nights I wake up at 2 a.m. soaked in steamy sweat. Maybe it's like what F1 racer Mario Andretti said, if everything seems under control you're not going fast enough. That's how I seem to feel most days. 
We're blowing past our key performance indicators so quickly it makes my head spin. New teammates to mentor, new brands to manage, new markets to penetrate, new suppliers to watch, new products to refine, new investors and shareholders to impress and a thousand new responsibilities to handle. It really does feel like it's a lot. I have a huge capacity to get big things done. But there's a lot on my shoulders. The entrepreneur tightened her arms and scrunched her forehead together absent-mindedly. Her thin lips pulled together like a sea anemone shutting on sensing a fatal predator. And her eyes suggested she was suffering. Intensely. And, about your point about being addicted to technology, just remember that intelligently used, it advances human progress. Through using technology wisely our lives become better, our knowledge becomes richer and our wonderful world becomes smaller. It's the misuse of technology that's ruining people's minds, damaging their productivity and destroying the very fabric of our society. Your phone is costing you your fortune, you know? If you're playing with it all day long. And what you just said about all the pressure on you, how fantastic. Pressure is a privilege, said tennis legend Billie Jean King, the homeless man shared. You get to grow. And ascending as a person is one of the smartest ways to spend the rest of your life. With every challenge comes the gorgeous opportunity to rise into your next level as a leader, performer, and human being. Obstacles are nothing more than tests designed to measure how seriously you want the rewards that your ambitions seek. They show up to determine how willing you are to improve into the kind of person who can hold that amount of success. Failure's just growth in wolf's clothing. And pretty much nothing else is as important in life as personal expansion, the unfoldment of your potential. Tolstoy wrote, Everyone thinks of changing the world but no one thinks of changing himself. Become a bigger person and you'll also automatically become a better leader and a greater producer. And yes, I agree that growth can be scary. But my mentor once taught me that the part of you that clings to fear must experience a sore of crucifixion so that the portion of you that deserves high honor undergoes a kind of reincarnation. Those are the exact words he shared with me. Freaky and deep, right? said the hobo as he rubbed the holy man beads he was wearing. He kept going without waiting for an answer. My special teacher also told me that to find your best self you must lose your weak self. And that only happens through relentless improvement, continuous reflection and ongoing self-excavation. If you don't keep rising daily you'll get stuck in your life, for the rest of your life. Makes me consider what the journalist Norman Cousins said, the tragedy of life is not death but what we let die inside of us while we live. The homeless man raised his raspy voice and observed, my special teacher taught me that once we transform the primary relationship with ourselves, we'll find that our relationships with other people, our work, our income and our impact transform. Most people can't stand themselves. So, they can never be alone. And silent. They need to constantly be with other people to escape their feelings of self-hatred over all their wasted potential, missing the wonders and wisdom that solitude and quiet bring. Or they watch TV endlessly, not realizing it's eroding their imagination as well as bankrupting their bank account. My life feels so complicated. I feel so overwhelmed. I don't have any time for myself, the entrepreneur repeated. Not sure what's happened to my life. Things have just become hard. I understand you, the artist said as he placed an arm over his new friend's shoulder. 
my intuition tells me that you're going through a lot more than you're sharing. And that's okay. You know, some days life seems so messy that I can't get out of bed. I just lie there, man. I close my eyes and wish the fog in my head would just go away. Even for a day. I can't think straight some of the time. And on those days, my heart has no hope in it at all. It sucks. And a lot of people suck, too, man. I'm not antisocial. I'm just anti-moron. Too many dumb people around these days. Taking stupid fashion pictures of themselves with pouty lips and clothes they can't afford. Hanging with people they don't even like. I'd rather live a thoughtful life. A risky life. A real life. An artist's life. Drives me crazy how superficial people have become. The artist then punched one fist into his other hand. Unyielding creases appeared along his jawline and a blue vein twitched in his thick neck. Sure. I got you, said the homeless man. Life isn't easy, people. Tough slog a lot of the time. But like John Lennon said, everything will be okay in the end. And if it's not okay, it's not the end, he offered kindly, spouting yet another quote from what seemed to be an unlimited supply in his brain. The artist softened instantly, smiling in a way that looked almost sweet. He exhaled mightily. He liked what he'd just heard. And, the vagrant continued, this climb up into the rare air of personal and professional mastery that the three of us have obviously signed up for is not for the weak. Upgrading your life so you know real joy and optimizing your skills so you own your field can be uncomfortable a lot of the time. I need to be honest. But here's one key thing I've learned, the soreness of growth is so much less expensive than the devastating costs of regret. Where'd you learn that? questioned the artist, as he scrawled the words into his notebook. Can't tell you. Yet, the homeless man responded, heightening the mystery of where he discovered much of his insight. The entrepreneur turned away from the artist and jotted down some of her thoughts into her device. The homeless man then reached into a pocket of his hole-ridden plaid shirt and produced a heavily used index card. He held it up like a kindergarten student at show and tell. A distinguished person gave this to me when I was a lot younger, as I was starting my first company. I was a lot like you cats, dripping with dreams and set to make my mark on the world. Hungry to prove myself. Amped to dominate the game. The first fifty years of our lives are a lot about seeking legitimacy, you know. We crave social approval. We want our peers to respect us. We hope our neighbors will like us. We buy all sorts of things we really don't need and obsess about making money we really don't enjoy. Totally right, muttered the artist, nodding his head aggressively and shifting his posture noticeably as his dreadlocks dangled over his shoulders. The event venue was now empty. If we have the courage to look within, we discover that we do this because we have a series of holes within us. We falsely believe that material from the outside will fill what's empty within ourselves. Yet it never will. Never will. Anywho, when many of us reach the halftime point of our lives, we make a right angle turn. We begin to realize that we're not going to live forever and that our days are numbered. And so, we connect with our mortality. Big point here. We realize we are going to die. What's truly important comes into much sharper focus. We become more contemplative. 
we start to wonder if we've been true to our talents, loyal to our values and successful on the terms that feel right to us. And we think about what those we most love will say about us when we're gone. That's when many of us make a giant shift, from seeking legitimacy in society to constructing a meaningful legacy. The last 50 years then become less about me and more about we. Less about selfishness and more about service. We stop adding more things into our lives and begin to subtract and simplify. We learn to savor simple beauty, experience gratitude for small miracles, appreciate the priceless value of peace of mind, spend more time cultivating human connections and come to understand that the one who gives the most is victorious. And what's left of your life then becomes a phenomenal dedication to loving life itself as well as a ministry of kindness to the many. And this becomes, potentially, your gateway into immortality. He's really special, whispered the entrepreneur. I haven't felt this hopeful, energized and grounded in months. My father used to help me navigate difficult times, she told the artist. Ever since he passed away I don't have anyone to lean on. What happened to him, quizzed the artist. I'm a little fragile right now, even though I feel stronger now than I did when I walked in here this morning, that's for sure. But I'll simply say that he took his own life. Dad was a remarkable man, a tremendously successful business pioneer. He flew airplanes, raced fast cars and loved superb wine. He was so alive. Then his business partner took everything away from him, not so different from the horrible scenario I'm living right now. Anyway, the stress and shock of his world collapsing pushed him to do what we could never have imagined. He just couldn't see any way out, I guess, the entrepreneur revealed as her voice broke. You can lean on me, the artist said tenderly. He placed a hand with a hippie ring on a pinky finger onto his heart as he spoke these words, looking both chivalrous and bohemian. The homeless man interrupted the intimate moment the two were sharing. Here, read this, he instructed as he handed over his index card. It'll be useful as you both rise to your next performance levels and experience everything that comes with this adventure into human leadership, personal mastery and creating a career of uncommon productivity. In red lettering over the paper that had yellowed by the advances of time, it read, All change is hard at first, messy in the middle and gorgeous at the end. That's very good, noted the entrepreneur. A valuable piece of information for me. Thank you. The artist then resumed playing his illegal copy of the Spellbinders presentation. Each one of you carries a quiet genius and a triumphant hero within your hearts. Dismiss these as idealistic words of an elderly inspirationalist if you wish. But I'm proud to be an idealist. Our world needs more of us. And yet, I am also a realist. And here's the truth, most people on the planet today don't think much of themselves, unfortunately. They secure their identity by who they are externally. They evaluate their achievement by what they've collected versus by the character they've cultivated. They compare themselves to the orchestrated, and fake, highlight reels presented by the people they follow. They measure their self-worth by their net worth. And they get kidnapped by the false thought that because something has never been done it can't be done, depleting the grand and electrifying possibilities their lives are meant to become. This explains why the majority is sinking in the quicksand of uncertainty, boredom, distraction and complexity. Drama Mamas, the homeless man interrupted again. 
that's why I call men and women who've caught the virus of victimitis excusitis. All they do is complain about how bad things are for them instead of applying their primal power to make things better. They take instead of give, criticize instead of create and worry instead of work. Build antibodies to combat any form of average from getting anywhere near your professional days at the office and your private life at home. Never be a drama mama. The entrepreneur and the artist peeked at each other. Then they giggled, both at the terms the quirky stranger was using and at the way he'd raised an arm and made the fingers of one hand into a peace sign as he spoke the words he'd just shared. If you were standing there with them, you would think he was weird too. The spellbinder could then be heard speaking the following words on the recording with dramatic flair. To be clear, every day, for the rest of your life, you'll be faced with the chance of showing leadership, wherever you are and in all that you do. Leadership isn't just for global icons and marketplace titans. It's an arena everyone gets to play in. Because leadership is a lot less about having a formal title, a large office and money in the bank and a lot more about committing to mastery over all you do, and in who you are. It's about resisting the tyranny of the ordinary, refusing to allow negativity to hijack your sense of awe and preventing any form of slavery to mediocrity from infesting your life. Leadership is about making a difference, right where you're planted. Real leadership is about sending out brave work that exemplifies genius, turns your whole field on its head by its scope, innovation and execution, and is so staggeringly sublime that it stands the test of time. And never work only for the income. Labor for the impact. Make your dominant pursuit the heartfelt release of value that represents an uncommon magic that borders on the poetic. Demonstrate the full-on expression of what's possible for a human being to create. Develop the patience to stick with your dedication to absolute world-class output, even if over a lifetime you only generate a single masterpiece. To achieve this feat alone will have made your life's journey a worthy trek. Be a virtuoso. A standout. An exceptionalist. The top 5% are a lot less concerned with fame, cash and approval and a lot more invested in punching above their weight class within their craft, playing above their pay grade around their talents and creating the kind of productivity that inspires, and serves, millions. That's often why they make millions. So never mail it in. Always bring it on. The homeless man now had his eyes closed and was down on the floor doing a series of one-armed push-ups. All the while he was chanting, Own your morning. Elevate your life. The entrepreneur and the artist shook their heads. One of my favorite books is The Prophet, mused the artist. It's one of the best-selling works of poetry ever written. I read that Khalil Gibran carried the manuscript around with him for four long years and refined it constantly before giving it to his publisher, just so it was pure art. I still remember the exact words he spoke when he was interviewed by a journalist about his creative process because they guide me a lot when I'm in the studio. His words keep me reaching for a greater power as an artist, even though I battle procrastination a lot. Like I said, I'm pretty good. But I know I can be great. If I could just beat myself sabotage. And my demons. What did he say? Asked the homeless man, now standing and twiddling with his big watch. Beads of perspiration meandered down his angular face. Here's exactly what he said. Mentioned the artist. I wanted to be sure, very sure, that every word of it was the very best I had to offer. 
gnarly, replied the homeless man. That's the standard that the best ones always hold themselves to. Abruptly, the spellbinder could be heard coughing in the audio. His comments that followed seemed to struggle out of him, like an unborn child fiercely reluctant to leave the security of its loving mother's warm and safe womb. Anyone can become an everyday leader by showing up as I'm encouraging. When it's easy and especially when it's difficult. Starting today. And if you do so, a guaranteed victory is in your future. And I need to add that there's not one person alive today who cannot lift their thinking, performance, vitality, prosperity and lifetime happiness magnificently by wiring in a series of profound daily rituals and then practicing them until they become your second nature. And this brings me to the single most important principle of my talk, the greatest starting point for winning in your work and making a splendid life is joining what I call the 5 a.m. club. How can you ever be world-class if you don't carve out some time each morning to make yourself world-class? The entrepreneur was now taking notes with a ferocious intensity not previously seen. The artist's face had a this-makes-me-feel-strong smile on it. The homeless man burped, then got down to the floor and held a plank, the kind fitness pros at the gym loved to do to build a strong core. You could hear the spellbinder begin to cough even more fiercely. A brutal, and sustained, pause followed. Next, he uttered these words, haltingly. He was wheezing audibly. His voice began to quiver like a novice telemarketer on her very first sales call. Rising at 5 a.m. truly is the mother of all routines. Joining the 5 a.m. club is the one behavior that raises every other human behavior. This regimen is the ultimate needle mover to turn you into an undefeatable model of possibility. The way you begin your day really does determine the extent of focus, energy, excitement and excellence you bring to it. Each early morning is a page in the story that becomes your legacy. Each new dawn is a fresh chance to unleash your brilliance, unprison your potency and play in the big leagues of iconic results. You have such power within you and it reveals itself most with the first rays of daybreak. Please do not allow past pains and present frustrations to diminish your glory, stifle your invincibility and choke the unlimited possibilitarian that lurks within the supreme part of you. In a world that seeks to keep you down, build yourself up. In an epic that wishes you would stay in the dark, step into your light. At a time that mesmerizes you to forget your gifts, reclaim your genius. Our world requires this of each of us. To be champions of our crafts, warriors for our growth and guardians of unconditional love, for all of humankind. Display respect and compassion for all other people who occupy this tiny planet, regardless of their creed, color or caste. Lift them up in a civilization where many get energy tearing others down. Help others sense the marvels that sleep within them. Show us the virtues we all wish more would practice. Everything I'm saying will speak to the unspoiled part of you, that side of yourself that was ferociously alive before you were taught to fear, hoard, contract and distrust. It's your job as a hero of your life, as a creative achiever set to change the culture and as a citizen of Earth to find this dimension within you. And, once done, to spend the rest of your days reconnected with it. Accept this opportunity to human mastery and I promise you that a synchronicity of success as well as an orchestrated magic well beyond the boundaries of logic will infuse the remainder of your days. And the larger angels of your grandest potential will begin to visit you regularly.
Actually, an orderly series of seemingly impossible miracles will descend onto your most genuine of dreams, causing the best of them to come true. And you will evolve into one of those rare and great spirits who upgrade the whole world by the simple act of walking amongst us. The conference hall was now dark. The entrepreneur let out a sigh the size of Mexico City. The artist was motionless. The homeless man began to cry. He then stood on a chair, raised his arms like a preacher and boomed these words of Irish playwright George Bernard Shaw. This is the true joy in life, the being used for a purpose recognized by yourself as a mighty one, the being a force of nature instead of a feverish little cloud of ailments and grievances complaining that the world will not devote itself to making you happy. I am of the opinion that my life belongs to the whole community, and as long as I live it is my privilege to do for it whatever I can. I want to be thoroughly used up when I die, for the harder I work the more I live. I rejoice in life for its own sake. Life is no brief candle for me. It is a sort of splendid torch which I have got hold of for the moment, and I want to make it burn as brightly as possible before handing it on to future generations. The homeless man then fell to his knees, kissed his holy beads, and continued to weep. Chapter 5 A Bizarre Adventure into Morning Mastery Everyone holds his fortune in his own hands, like a sculptor, the raw material he will fashion into a figure. The skill to mold the material into what we want must be learned and attentively cultivated. Johann Wolfgang von Goethe If you too are interested, said the homeless man, I'd be happy to spend a few mornings coaching you at my Oceanside compound. I'll show you my private morning routine and explain why dialing in the way you run your first hour to the highest degree is essential for personal mastery and exceptional business performance. Let me do this for you cats. Your lives will start to look glorious, within a fairly short time. And the ride with me will be fun. Not always easy, as we heard from the old guy on the stage. But valuable and prolific and beautiful. Maybe even as wonderful as the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel. First time I saw it I cried, the artist said, stroking the hairs of his goatee. Michelangelo was a bad dude. And I mean that in a good way, the homeless man offered as he, too, played with his beard, which was soiled. He then raised his shirt to show Greek god abdominal muscles. A long finger of a grimy hand moved along the contours, the way a raindrop zigzags down the stem of a rose after a May shower. Hit me with a stick, shouted the artist with the enthusiasm of a cat let loose in a parrot shop. How the heck did you get those? Not from some plastic of machine I bought from a late night TV show, that's for sure. Work is how I got all lean and chiseled up like this. Plenty of push-ups, pull-ups, planks, sit-ups and seriously sweaty cardio sessions, often on my special beach. The homeless man pulled out an obviously expensive leather wallet then carefully removed from it a piece of plastic with a drawing on it. Here's what it looked like, so you see exactly what the entrepreneur and the artist saw in that moment. Without allowing for any responses from his two listeners, the disheveled drifter kept on speaking. Commitment, discipline, patience, and work. Values few believe in these days, where so many have an entitlement mentality, expecting a rich, productive and fulfilling life to just show up one day like a sparrow at the beginning of spring, and expecting everyone around them to invest the effort they are responsible for inputting. 
Where's the leadership in this way of operating? A society of adults behaving like spoiled little children is how I sometimes see our world right now. Not judging, just saying. Not complaining, just reporting. Hey, cats, here's the point I'm trying to make by letting you have a peek at my sculpted abs. Nothing works for those who don't do the work. Less talk and more do is what I say. Oh, and check this out. The hobo spun around and unbuttoned his hole-ridden shirt. On his firm, striated back was a tattoo with the words Victims Love Entertainment. Victors adore education. Come hang with me at my place on a magical little island in the middle of a fantastic ocean, five hours from the coast of Cape Town. He handed the entrepreneur the plastic card with the seaside scene etched on it. Those are my dolphins, he said, happily pointing to the hand-drawn image. The trip will be so worth it, he continued. The adventure of a lifetime, for sure. Some of your most valuable and sensational moments ever will unfold there. You need to take a trust walk with me, people. I'll teach you everything I know about a world-class morning ritual. I'll help you both become members of the 5 a.m. club. You'll learn to rise early, regularly, so you'll get more done by noon than most people get done in a week, and so you'll optimize your health, happiness, and peacefulness. There's a reason so many of the great achievers of the world get up before the sun, it's the most special part of the day. I'll explain how I use this revolutionary method to build my empire. And, to be clear, empires arrive in many forms, economic is just one of them. You can also create empires of artistry, productivity, humanity, philanthropy, personal freedom and even spirituality. I'll download pretty much everything I've been blessed to have been taught by the mentor who transformed my life. You'll discover so much. You'll be moved at the deepest level. You'll see the world through an all-new set of lenses. You'll also eat the finest food and watch the most spectacular sunsets. You guys can swim in the sea, go snorkeling with the dolphins and fly over the sugarcane stalks that dance in the wind in the helicopter I own. And should you both accept my heartfelt invitation to visit me, I insist you stay at my home. My God, you're kidding me, right? Boomed the artist. It was becoming increasingly evident that, like many in his field, he was acutely emotional, vigilant to the infinitesimal and carried a sensitivity born of latent pain. Those who feel more than most people sometimes believe they have been cursed. In fact, they have been granted a gift, one that allows them to sense what others miss, experience the delights that most neglect and notice the majesty in ordinary moments. Yes, such people get hurt more easily, yet they are also the ones who create great symphonies, architect dazzling buildings and find cures for the sick. Tolstoy once noted that only people who are capable of loving strongly can suffer great sorrow, while the Sufi poet Rumi wrote, you have to keep breaking your heart until it opens. The artist seemed to personify these insights. Nope. Totally serious, dudes, the homeless man said enthusiastically. I have a house not far from a village called Solitude. And believe me, they named it accurately. It's only when you get away from the noise and nuisance and be in quiet and tranquility that you remember who, and all, you're truly meant to be. Just say yes to life. And let's do this. Like the guru on the platform said, a magic will show up for you the more you start exploiting the terrific opportunities that appear along your path, seemingly by accident. You can't win a game you don't play, right? 
the reality is that life has got your back, even when it doesn't look like it does. But you need to do your part and go all in when windows of opportunity appear. Oh, and if you come to my home on the island, the only thing I ask is that you stay long enough for me to teach you the philosophy and methodology that my secret advisor shared with me. Joining the 5 a.m. club requires a little time. The homeless man paused before adding, I'm also going to take care of all your expenses. Everything's covered. I'll even send my private jet to pick you guys up, if that's cool. The entrepreneur and the artist glanced at each other, amused, confounded and entirely uncertain. Mind if my friend and I have a few moments alone, brother, requested the artist, notebook still in hand. No sweat. Sure. Take all the time you need. I'll just go back to my seat over there and make some calls to my executive team, mention the homeless man as he paced away. This is absurd. Just asinine, the artist said to the entrepreneur. I def agree with you that there's something special about him. Maybe even something magical. I know how insane that sounds. And I am fascinated by this mentor he keeps talking about, this teacher who sort of sounds like a modern-day master. I'll admit that this street person has got some great insights, for sure. And he obviously seems to have a lot of experience. But just look at him. Man, the guy looks completely down and out, a complete mess. I don't think he's had a shower in weeks. His clothes are all ripped. He's beyond freaky. And sometimes he talks total crazy talk. We have no idea who he is. This could be dangerous. He could be dangerous. Yes. Definitely super weird. Everything that's happened here today is super weird, confirmed his companion. The entrepreneur's lean face then softened. Her eyes still seemed melancholic, though. I'm at a place in my life where I need to make some big changes, she confided. I just can't keep going on like this. I hear what you're saying. I've been suspicious of pretty much everyone and everything ever since I lost my dad when I was 11. A daughter growing up without a father is incredibly scary. To be honest, I still carry a lot of the emotional trauma with me. I think of him every day. I've had some bad intimate relationships. I've struggled a lot with low self-worth and made some horrible choices in the relationships I've had. About a year ago I started seeing a therapist who made me aware of why I was behaving the way I was behaving, the entrepreneur continued. Psychologists call it fatherless daughter syndrome. Deep within, I had a huge fear of abandonment and all the strong insecurities that come with that wound. Yes, this made me extraordinarily tough on the outside. And ruthless in some ways. The chip on my shoulder over the loss of my father gave me my drive and my ambition. Yet the loss also left me empty within. I'm learning that I've been trying to fill the void that he left, when he left, by pushing myself to exhaustion in my work with the belief that when I'm even more successful I'll get the love I lost. I've been attempting to fill my emotional holes by chasing more money like a heroin addict needing a fix. I've been starving for social status and hungry for industry approval, escaping online for quick pleasure hits of entertainment when I could be doing things that matter. As I said, I'm realizing a lot of my behavior has been pushed from the fear created by my early challenges as a young woman. I felt inspired when the Spellbinder spoke about never doing something for the money but, instead, reaching for world class as a leader and a person for the meaning it provides, 
for the opportunity to grow it provokes and for a shot at changing the world. His words made me feel so hopeful. I want to live in the way he spoke of, but I'm nowhere near that place now. And recently, what's happened at my company pushed me to the edge. I'm really not doing well at life right now. I only came to this meeting because my mom gave me a free ticket. And I'm so desperate for a change. The entrepreneur took a deep breath. Sorry, she apologized, looking embarrassed. I hardly know you so I'm not sure why I'm revealing all this to you. I guess I just feel safe with you. I'm not sure why. I'm so sorry if I'm oversharing. No problem, said the artist. His body language showed he was engaged. He no longer anxiously played with his goatee and dreadlocks. We're so honest when we chat with taxi drivers and other people we don't really know, right? The entrepreneur went on. All I'm trying to say is that I'm ready for a transformation. And my gut tells me this down-and-out man who wants to teach us how an excellent morning routine can build creative, productive, financial and happiness empires really can help me. And help us. And, she added, remember his watch. I like him, said the artist. He's a character. I love that he expresses himself so poetically sometimes and so passionately at others. He thinks so vividly and quotes George Bernard Shaw like his life depended on it. Really cool. But I still don't really trust him, the artist expressed as he punched a fist into an open palm again. Probably ripped the watch off some rich idiot. Look, I understand how you're feeling, responded the entrepreneur. A lot of me feels the same way. And you and I just met as well. I'm not sure what it would be like to go on this trip with you. I hope you don't mind me saying that. You seem like such a nice person. A few rough edges maybe. I think I understand where those come from. But you're good deep down. I know it. The artist looked mildly pleased. He glanced at the homeless man, who was eating slices of avocado from a plastic bag. I'll have to see if I can arrange my schedule to be away from the office so we can spend time with him, shared the entrepreneur as she pointed to the homeless man. While he was munching on his snack he was also talking on a relic of a mobile phone and staring at the ceiling. I'm starting to like the idea of spending some time near a village called Solitude on some tiny island, eating fabulous food and swimming with wild dolphins. I'm beginning to feel this will be a phenomenal adventure. I'm starting to feel more alive again. Well, now that you say it that way, I'm liking the sound of this, too, said the artist. I'm beginning to think there's a delicious insanity to all of this. A special opportunity to access a whole new universe of originality. This might be the best thing yet for my art. It makes me think of what the writer Charles Bukowski said, some people never go crazy. Hello, listener. Thank you for listening to our content. Remember to follow us here on the platform. We prepared a graphic of the book with the author's key points and main ideas. Click that book graphic link in description now and have access to an illustrated material with simple and easy steps so you know everything about the book in minutes. What truly horrible lives they must lead and the Spellbinder did encourage us to leave the boundaries of our normal lives so we grow into our gifts, talents, and strengths. Some instinct is also telling me to do this. So, if you go, I'll go. Well, you know what? 
I'll take the leap. It's done. I'm all in. Let's go, pronounced the entrepreneur. All in, agreed the artist. They both stood up and made their way to the homeless man, who was now sitting with his eyes closed. What are you doing now? quizzed the artist. Intense visualization of all I want to be and the higher order life I wish to create. A Turkish fighter pilot once told me that before every flight, he'd fly before we'd fly. He was suggesting that meticulously rehearsing the way he and his team wanted the mission to unfold in the theater of his imagination set them up to execute that vision of mastery in reality, flawlessly. Your mindset is an enormously potent tool for private greatness, prodigious productivity and creative victory, along with your heart set, health set and soul set. I'll teach you all about these remarkable concepts if you accept my invitation. Anywho, back to why I closed my eyes. Nearly every morning, I envision my ideal performance for the day ahead. I also reach deep into my emotions so I feel what it will feel like when I achieve the wins I've planned to accomplish. I lock myself into an extremely confident state where any form of failure isn't within the realm of possibility. Then I go out and do my finest to live out that perfect day. Interesting. The entrepreneur was fascinated. This is just one of the SOPs I run daily to stay on peak. Good science is confirming that this practice helps me upregulate my genome by turning on genes that were previously asleep. Your DNA isn't your destiny, you know. Not to worry, cats. You'll learn about the breakthrough field of epigenetics when you're on the island. You'll also learn some beautiful neuroscience on multiplying your success in this age of scattered attention, so the weapons of mass distraction don't destroy your amazingness. I'll reveal everything I've discovered about creating projects that are so masterfully done they endure for generations. You'll hear about fabulous ways to armor-plate your mental focus and fireproof your physical energy. You'll discover how the best business people in the world build dominant enterprises and learn a calibrated system that the most joyful human beings on the planet apply each morning to create a life that borders on the magical. Oh, in case you were wondering, an SOP is a standard operating procedure. It's a term my special advisor used when he'd speak about the daily structures needed to find triumph at the game of life. I assume you two are coming? Yes. We're coming, confirmed the entrepreneur in an upbeat tone. Thank you for your offer. Yeah, thanks, man, added the artist, now looking more composed. Please, the entrepreneur said earnestly, teach us everything you know. About creating the morning routine of a high-impact leader and a supremely successful businessperson. I desperately want to improve my performance and my daily productivity. I'll also need your help to restructure my life. To be honest, I'm feeling more inspired today than I've felt in a long time. But I'm not in the best place. Yeah, brother, said the artist. Tell us your secrets for an epic morning routine that helps me become the best painter, and man, I can become. He waved his notebook in the air as he spoke. Send us your plane. Take us to your village. Give us some coconuts. Let us ride your dolphins. And improve our lives. We're all in. None of what you'll discover will be motivation, noted the scraggly soul with a degree of seriousness he hadn't shown before. All of this will definitely be about transformation. And it will be supported by strong data, the latest research and immensely practical tactics that have been battle-tested in the tough trenches of industry.
get ready for the greatest adventure you cats will ever experience. Excellent, declared the entrepreneur as she reached out to shake the weather-beaten stranger's hand. I need to admit that this entire scenario has been extremely odd for both of us, but, for whatever reason, we now trust you. And, yes, we're totally open to this new experience. You're very kind to do this for us. Thank you, blurted out the artist. He looked somewhat surprised by the extent of his graciousness. Awesome. Smart decision, guys, came the warm response. Please be outside this conference center tomorrow morning. Bring at least a few days' worth of clothes. That's all. Like I said, I'm stoked to take care of everything else. All expenses are on me. I thank you. Why are you thanking us? wondered the entrepreneur. The homeless man smiled tenderly and scratched his beard thoughtfully. In his final sermon before he was assassinated, Martin Luther King, Jr., said, Everybody can be great because anybody can serve. You don't have to have a college degree to serve. You don't have to make your subject and verb agree to serve. You don't have to know about Plato and Aristotle to serve. You don't have to know Einstein's theory of relativity to serve. You don't have to know the second theory of thermodynamics and physics to serve. You only need a heart full of grace. A soul generated by love. The tramp wiped a morsel of avocado from the edge of his mouth and then carried on what he was saying. One of the big lessons I've learned over the years is that giving to other people is a gift you give to yourself. Raise the joy of others and you'll get even more joy. Increase the state of your fellow human beings and, naturally, your own state of being ascends. Success is cool. But significance is rad generosity, not scarcity, is the trait of all of the great men and women who have upgraded our world. And we need leaders pure leaders and not narcissists obsessed with their own self-interests, as never before. The homeless man looked down at his large watch one last time. You can't take your title, net worth, and fancy toys with you when you die, you know? I've yet to see a moving truck following a hearse on its way to a funeral. He chuckled. The two listeners grinned. He's a treasure, whispered the entrepreneur. Deaf is, acknowledged the artist. Stop saying deaf so much, said the entrepreneur. It's getting irritating. The artist looked a little shocked. Okay. All that matters on your last day on earth is the potential you've leveraged, the heroism you've demonstrated and the human lives you've graced, the homeless man said eloquently. He then grew quiet. And let out a deep breath. Anywho. Incredible that you're coming. We'll have a cool hang. May I bring my paintbrushes? The artist asked politely. Only if you want to paint in paradise, came the homeless man's reply with a wink. In what time should we meet you outside this place tomorrow morning? asked the entrepreneur, placing her handbag onto a thin, bony shoulder. 5 a.m., instructed the homeless man. Own your morning. Elevate your life. Then, he disappeared. Chapter 6 A Flight to Peak Productivity, Virtuosity, and Undefeatability Your time is limited, so don't waste it living someone else's life. Don't be trapped by dogma, which is living with the results of other people's thinking. Don't let the noise of others' opinions drown out your own inner voice. 
and most important, have the courage to follow your heart and intuition. They somehow already know what you truly want to become. Steve Jobs I'm so tired, the entrepreneur muttered with the energy of an ancient turtle on a vacation day, while holding a monstrous cup of coffee. This journey might be harder than I thought. I'm starting to feel like I'm walking into a whole new world. Like I told you yesterday after the seminar, I'm definitely ready to change. Set for a new beginning. But I'm also feeling uneasy about all this. I didn't sleep much last night. Such eerie, and sometimes violent, dreams. And, yes, this experience we've agreed to might be dangerous. Well, I feel like death, man, said the artist. I hate being up this early. This was a terrible idea. The two brave souls were standing on the sidewalk outside the hall where the spellbinder had worked his legendary skills and broken many hearts with his collapse the day before. It was 4.49 a.m. He won't show up, barked the artist roughly. He was dressed in black with a ruby-red polka-dotted bandana on his left wrist. Same boots as yesterday. Those Australian ones. He hurled a mouthful of spit into the desolate street. He squinted at the sky. And then he folded his tattooed arms. The entrepreneur had a nylon duffel bag over her shoulder. She styled a silk blouse with bohemian sleeves, designer blue jeans and a pair of sandals with high heels, the kind you see off-duty supermodels with sunglasses the size of Greek island sunsets wearing. Her lips were scrunched together and the lines on her face were arrayed in a series of interesting intersections. I bet the homeless man's a no-show, she said with a sneer. I don't care. About his watch. It doesn't matter that he could be so articulate. It means nothing to me now that he reminded me of my dad. God, I'm exhausted. He was probably at the seminar because he needed a place to rest for a few hours. He probably knew about the whole 5 a.m. club morning routine because he heard, and stole, that bit of the Spellbinder's presentation and the private plane he talked about was probably part of his favorite hallucination. The entrepreneur had returned to her familiar skepticism and hiding within her fortress of protection. The hopefulness of the day before had clearly dissolved. Just then, a pair of strikingly powerful halogen headlights pierced the wall of darkness. The two companions looked at each other. The entrepreneur managed a smile. Okay. Maybe instinct really is much smarter than reason she muttered to herself. A gleaming Rolls-Royce, the color of coal, pulled up to the curb. With swift efficiency, a man in a crisp white uniform leapt out of the sedan and greeted the two with old-school civility. Good morning to you, madam. And to you as well, sir, he enunciated in a British accent as he placed their bags into the vehicle with one skillful swoop. Where's the derelict? asked the artist with the tact of a hillbilly who'd never left the woods. The driver couldn't help but laugh. Quickly, he regained his composure. So sorry, sir. Yes, Mr. Riley dresses in very unassuming attire, shall we say. He does that when he feels the need to get gritty, as he classifies the practice. He leads a remarkably exclusive life most of the time and is a man accustomed to getting anything he wants. Everything he wants, to be more precise. So, once in a while, he does things to ensure his modesty and humility remain in check. That's part of his quirky charm, I might add. 
Mr. Riley asked me to give these to you. The driver pulled out two envelopes, made of the highest quality paper. On opening them, the entrepreneur and the artist saw these words. Hey, cats. Hope you're awesome. Didn't mean to spook you both yesterday. I just needed to keep my boots on the ground. Epictetus, one of my favorite philosophers, wrote, but neither a bull nor a noble-spirited man comes to be what he is all at once, he must undertake hard winter training and prepare himself and not propel himself rashly into what is not appropriate to him. Voluntary discomfort, whether by dressing as I did or by fasting once a week or by sleeping on the floor once a month, keeps me strong, disciplined and focused on the central few priorities my life's built around. Anywho, have a tremendous flight, and I'll see you in paradise soon. Big hug. The driver continued, please remember that appearances can be misleading and clothing doesn't convey one's character. Yesterday you met a great man. Looks really do not reveal the quality of a person. I guess neither does shaving, proclaimed the artist, kicking a black boot against the shiny Rolls-Royce symbol at the center of one of the wheels. Mr. Riley would never tell you what I'm about to tell you as he's far too courteous and decent. But the gentleman you refer to as a derelict happens to be one of the wealthiest people in the world. Are you serious? asked the entrepreneur, her eyes widening. I most certainly am. The driver smiled politely as he opened a door, waving a white-gloved hand to welcome both passengers into the vehicle. The seats had that marvelously musky smell of new leather. The wood paneling seemed like it had been prepared by hand, by a small family of finicky craftspeople who'd built their reputations around this singular obsession. Mr. Riley made his fortune many years ago, in various commercial ventures. He was also an early investor in what has now become an internationally admired company. Discretion prevents me from mentioning the name and, if Mr. Riley found out I was speaking of financial matters with you, he'd be exceedingly disappointed. His instructions were simply to treat you with the utmost of care along with assuring you of his sincerity and reliability. And to deliver you safely to Hangar 21. Hangar 21, the artist asked as he eased languidly into the opulent vehicle like a rock star accustomed to this method of transport or a hip-hop artist ready for a weekend roll. That's where Mr. Riley's fleet of jets are kept, stated the driver succinctly. Fleet, questioned the entrepreneur, her beautiful brown eyes alive with an immensely curious look. Yes, was all the chauffeur would allow. There was silence as the driver sped through the early morning streets. The artist looked out the window while rolling a bottle of water in one hand absent-mindedly. He hadn't seen the sun rising in many years. Very special. Truly beautiful, he admitted. Everything's so peaceful at this time of the day. No noise. Such peace. Even though I feel tired right now, I can really think. Things seem clearer. My attention isn't a mess. It feels like the rest of the world is asleep. What tranquility. A cavalry of wispy amber rays, the ethereal palette of the daybreak and the quietude of this moment left him encouraged. And awestruck. The entrepreneur studied the driver. So, tell me more about your boss, she requested, restlessly toying with her device as she spoke. I can't tell you much more. He's worth multiple billions of dollars. He's given most of his money to charity. Mr. Riley's the most fascinating, generous and compassionate person I know. 
He also has incredible willpower, along with having ironclad values, such as honesty, empathy, integrity, and loyalty. And, of course, he's also a real oddball, if I may be so bold as to say so. Like a lot of the very, very, very rich. We've noticed, agreed the entrepreneur. I'm interested, though. What makes you say he's odd? You'll see, was the stark response. The Rolls soon arrived at a private airport. No sign of Mr. Riley. The driver accelerated up to an ivory jet that looked immaculately kept. The only color it bore appeared on the tail. In the hue of a mandarin orange, three characters read 5AC. What does 5AC stand for? asked the entrepreneur tensely, gripping her gadget tightly. The 5 AM Club. Own your morning. Elevate your life. It's one of the maxims Mr. Riley has conducted his many business interests under. And now, with regret, this is where I must bid you adieu. Au revoir, he said before carrying the luggage over to the sparkling aircraft. Two handsome crew members chatted near the metal stairway that led up to the cabin. A tastefully refined blonde flight attendant handed the entrepreneur and the artist hot towels and offered them coffee from a silver tray. Dobro utro, she said greeting them in Russian. It has been a great pleasure to meet you, the driver called up to the jet, as he got back into the car. Kindly convey my best wishes to Mr. Riley once you see him. And do have fun in Mauritius. Mauritius, the companions exclaimed, as surprised as a vampire waking up to a garlic clove. This is all unbelievable, the artist said as he climbed into the cabin. Mauritius. I've always wanted to go to that island and I've read a bit about it. It's a high-frequency place. French flavor. Tremendous beauty. And, from what they say, many of the warmest and happiest people on earth live there. I'm blown away, too, the entrepreneur said as she sipped her coffee and peeked into the cockpit. She studied the pilots as they performed their pre-flight preparation. I've also heard Mauritius is splendid, and that the people are super friendly, helpful, and spiritually advanced. After a perfect takeoff, the first-class plane floated high into the clouds. Once at cruising altitude, premium champagne was served, caviar was recommended and an array of fabulous main courses were suggested. The entrepreneur was feeling fairly content and far less incited by the cruel attempt of her investors to take her company away from her. True, this might not be the ideal time to take a vacation to learn about the 5 a.m. club philosophy and its underlying methodology that had served Mr. Riley's ascent to business titan and global philanthropist like rocket fuel. Or perhaps this was the perfect time to get away from her usual reality to discover how the most successful, influential, and joyful people on the planet start their days. After sipping on some champagne, the entrepreneur watched a movie. She then fell into a deep sleep. The artist had a book called Michelangelo Fiorentino E.T. Raphael d'Urbino, Masters of Art in the Vatican. He read it for hours. You can just imagine how happy he felt. The jet made its trajectory over a number of vast continents and above varied terrain. The flight was meticulously conducted, and the landing was as fluid as the overall experience was fine. Bienvenuo al Maurice, announced the captain over the public address system as the aircraft taxied along the freshly paved runway. Merci beaucoup. 
Welcome to Mauritius and Sir Siwas Adarangulam International Airport, he continued, speaking his words with the well-earned confidence of someone who had spent most of his life in the sky. It's been a privilege having you two VIPs with us. We'll see you again in several days, from what Mr. Riley's personal assistant has informed us of your itinerary. Thank you once again for flying with us, and we trust that the journey was elegant, excellent and above all else, safe. A polished black SUV glittered on the tarmac as the flight attendant escorted her special passengers off the plane and into the humming vehicle. Your luggage will follow shortly. Not to worry, it shall be delivered to your guest rooms at Mr. Riley's seaside estate. Spasiba, she added in a graceful tone and with an earnest wave. This is so A-list, observed the entrepreneur as she happily snapped some selfies, uncharacteristically pouting like a fashionista. Deaf, replied the artist, as he photobombed her, sticking out his tongue like Albert Einstein did in that famous photo that betrayed his seriousness as a scientist and revealed his undiminished childlike sense of wonder. As the Range Rover rolled along the highway, tall stalks of sugar cane swayed in the fragrant breezes blown by the Indian Ocean. The quiet chauffeur wore a white cap, the kind you see bellmen at five-star hotels wearing, in a well-pressed dark gray uniform that hinted at an understated yet refined professionalism. He never missed slowing down when the speed limit descended and ensuring his signal light was on whenever a turn was to be made. Though it was evident that the man was older, he moved the vehicle along the roadway with the precision of a young apprentice dedicated to becoming the absolute best. Through the drive, his focus remained transfixed on the pavement ahead, in a sort of trance designed to keep his passengers secure yet deliver them to their destination with a smooth efficiency. They passed through some tiny villages that had a timeless feel. Bougainvillea lined the streets, wild dogs with king-of-the-road demeanors stood at the meridian line, confronting the SUV in a deadly game of chicken, and children played on small grassy lawns with thoughtless abandon. Roosters could be heard shrieking from time to time, and old men in basic woolen hats with tooth-missing mouths and chestnut-colored skin sat on weather-beaten wooden chairs. They looked like they had too many hours to pass in the day, at once tired from life's hardships and yet wise from days fully lived. Choirs of upbeat birds sang melodically while colorful butterflies seemed to be fluttering everywhere. In one tiny community the SUV snaked through, a skinny boy with legs that appeared too long for his body pedaled a banana bike with a seat that was set too high on its creaky metal frame. In another, a group of teenaged girls in tank tops, surf shorts, and flip-flops shuffled along the narrow but attentively maintained road, following a man in army green cargo shorts wearing a t-shirt that had the number one flame-grilled chicken printed on the back of it. Everything seemed to move on island time. People looked cheerful. They beamed with a radiant vitality not so commonly seen in the overscheduled, machine-dominated and sometimes soulless lives so many among us are experiencing. The beaches were unspeakably beautiful. The gardens were entirely glorious. And the entire Gogan-looking scene was draped by a series of mountains that looked like they'd been carved by a 16th-century Florentine sculptor. See that structure up there, the driver said, breaking his self-imposed silence and pointing to a rock formation at the top of one of the peaks that resembled a human figure. That's called Peter Both. It's the second-highest mountain in Mauritius. See the summit up there? It resembles a human head, right? He noted with a finger pointed upward at the structure. It definitely does, responded the artist. 
When we were in elementary school, the chauffeur continued, we were told the story of a man who fell asleep at the foot of the mountain. Hearing strange sounds, he woke up to see fairies and angels dancing all about him. These creatures instructed the man never to tell anyone what he had just seen or he would be turned to stone. He agreed but then, given his excitement over the mystical experience he'd witnessed, broke his commitment and told many of his good fortune. Upset, the fairies and angels turned him to rock. And his head swelled to such a degree it rose to sit at the peak of the majestic mountain you both are looking at now, reminding everyone who sees it to keep their promises. And honor their word. The SUV meandered past another community. Music played from a small loudspeaker on a front porch as two teenaged boys and three teenaged girls with white and pink flowers in their hair danced gleefully. Another dog barked modestly in the background. Great story, noted the entrepreneur. Her window was open, and her wavy brown hair flitted in the wind. Her usually lined face now appeared completely smooth. She enunciated her words more slowly now. An unprecedented peacefulness emerged from her voice. One of her hands rested on the seat, not so far from where a hand of the artist, which bore finely etched tattoos on its middle and index fingers, lay. Mark Twain wrote, Mauritius was made first, and then heaven, and heaven copied Mauritius, the driver shared, now warming up after being somewhat steely. He beamed as proudly as a president on Inauguration Day after saying what he'd just said. Never seen anything like this, the artist said, his goth meets angry man hostility now replaced with a more untroubled, carefree, and relaxed demeanor. And the vibe I feel here is stirring something deeply creative inside of me. The entrepreneur glanced at the artist for a little longer than was politely acceptable. Then she looked away, out at the sea. Though reluctant, she couldn't help but smile gently. The driver could be heard whispering into the SUV's speakerphone, five minutes away. Then he handed each of his passengers a handcrafted tablet that seemed made of gold. Please study these, he told them. Engraved, finally, in the apparently precious metal were five statements. Here's what the tablets looked like. Rule number one, an addiction to distraction is the end of your creative production. Empire makers and history creators take one hour for themselves before dawn, in the serenity that lies beyond the clutches of complexity, to prepare themselves for a world-class day. Rule number two, excuses breed no genius. Just because you haven't installed the early rising habit before doesn't mean you can't do it now. Release your rationalizations. And remember that small daily improvements, when done consistently over time, lead to stunning results. Rule number three, all change is hard at first, messy in the middle and gorgeous at the end. Everything you now find easy you first found difficult. With consistent practice, getting up with the sun will become your new normal. And automatic. Rule number four, to have the results the top 5% of producers have, you must start doing what 95% of people are unwilling to do. As you start to live like this, the majority will call you crazy. Remember that being labeled a freak is the price of greatness. Rule number five, when you feel like surrendering, continue, triumph loves the relentless. The vehicle slowed to a crawl as it passed an orderly row of faded white beach houses. A compact pickup truck was parked in the dusty driveway of one house. Dive gear was strewn across the front yard of another. 
In front of the last house, a gaggle of kids played in a yard, laughing hysterically as they enjoyed their game. The ocean appeared, both greenish and bluish with foam-topped waves making shashing sounds before colliding with the sandy shore. The air now smelled a marine life smell, yet sweet like nectar with unexpected cinnamon hints blended into it. On a wide plank dock, a thin line of a man with a Santa Claus beard and rolled-up khakis fished barefoot for his family's dinner. A motorcycle helmet was perched on his old head. The sun was beginning to set, a glamorous sphere of blinding radiance that cast liquid yellow streaks and reflections on the welcoming water that lay before it. Birds still chirped. Butterflies still flew. Quite magical, all of this. We're here, announced the chauffeur into an intercom perched beside a metal fence that seemed to have been erected more to keep wildlife out than to prevent interlopers from getting in. The gate opened. Slowly. The SUV rolled down a winding road teeming with bougainvillea, hibiscus, frangipani and bouclé d'orile, the national flower of Mauritius, along the sides. The driver opened his window, inviting in a sea breeze carrying a swirling scent that also included fresh jasmine mixed with rich roses. Gardeners in smart gardening attire waved sincere waves. One shouted bonjour as the vehicle sailed by. Another said bonzer as two fat doves the size of a trucker's fist hopped along a stone path. The billionaire's house was low-key. The design was of the beachfront chic sort. Kind of a Martha's Vineyard cottage meets Swedish farmhouse feel. It was both sensationally beautiful and completely private. A massive veranda at the back of the home extended over the ocean. A muddy mountain bike leaned against a wall. A surfboard rested near the end of the driveway. Massive floor-to-ceiling windows were the only extravagant architectural flourish. More precious flowers were meticulously arranged along a deck where a trolley supporting hors d'oeuvres, assorted cheeses, and a service of fresh lemon tea with precisely cut slices of ginger waited. Sun-bleached gray steps wound down to a breathtakingly lovely beach, the type seen in the travel magazines the elite crowd liked to read. Amid all this exquisiteness, an isolated figure stood on the milk-colored sand. He made not one movement. Perfect stillness. The man was Eiffel Tower tall, shirtless and bronzed, and sporting a pair of loose shorts with a camouflage pattern. Canary yellow sandals and uber-stylish sunglasses, the kind you might purchase on Via dei Condotti in Rome, completed the surfer's end meets Soho swagger appearance. He peered out into the sea remaining still as a star in the big African sky. There, said the entrepreneur, pointing. We finally get to see our host. The illustrious Mr. Riley, she noted energetically, picking up her pace as she hustled down the wooden stairs that led to the seashore. Look at him. He's just hanging out by the water, soaking up those rays and totally loving life. Told you he's special. So happy I trusted my gut and agreed to this wonderful escapade. He's been true to his word, in a world where too many people say things they never do and make promises they fail to keep. He's been super consistent. He's treated us so well. He doesn't even know us, and yet he's really trying to help us. Zero doubt in my mind he's got our backs. Hurry up, will you, she urged her slow-moving companion as she waved an encouraging hand. I feel like giving Mr. Riley a giant hug. The artist laughed as a baby gecko jaywalked across a broad plank. 
he took off his black shirt in the dazzling sunshine, exposing a Buddha-sized belly and man breasts the size of fleshy mangoes. Me, too. He does walk his preach. Man, I need to get some sun, the painter murmured as he sped up to stay close to the entrepreneur. He breathed hard. As the two guests walked toward the man at the water's edge of this nirvana of an ocean compound, they observed there were no other houses in sight. Not even one. Just a few wooden fishing boats with paint peeled off from the passage of years moored in the shallow waters near the shore. And aside from the sun-worshipping empire builder in Italian shades, there was no other human being in evidence. Anywhere. Mr. Riley, shouted the artist, now on the sand hungrily sucking air into his extraordinarily unfit lungs. The slender figure remained as fixed as a palace guard awaiting the arrival of the royal motorcade. Mr. Riley, echoed the entrepreneur passionately. No response. The man just kept looking out at the sea and at container ships the size of football stadiums that sat sprinkled across the horizon. The artist soon stood behind the set of intensely tanned shoulders of the figure and tapped three times on the left one. Instantly, the figure spun around. The two visitors gasped. The entrepreneur put a slender hand over her mouth. The artist jerked backward, instinctively, before falling to the sand. Both were stunned by what they saw. It was the Spellbinder. Chapter 7 Preparation for a transformation begins in paradise. A child has no trouble believing the unbelievable, nor does the genius or the madman. It's only you and I, with our big brains and our tiny hearts, who doubt and overthink and hesitate. Stephen Pressfield Um. Wow, declared the entrepreneur with a crooked smile that displayed part surprise and part delight. We were at your seminar. Um. You were brilliant up on that stage, she finally managed to express, pivoting impressively from soft shock to the master of the universe business bearing she was more accustomed to. I lead a technology company. We're what pundits in our industry call a rocket ship because of the exponential growth we've been experiencing. Things were going phenomenally well until a little while ago, the entrepreneur's voice trailed off. She looked away from the spellbinder and stared at the artist. For a moment she played nervously with her bracelets. The lines along her face became more vivid. And her visage gave off a heavy, tired and injured look in that instant, on that spectacular beach. What happened? asked the spellbinder. To your business? Some of the people who invested in my enterprise felt I had too much equity in it. They wanted more for themselves. Super greedy people. So, they manipulated my executive team, convinced key employees to rally against me and are now trying to throw me out of the firm. That place is my whole life. The entrepreneur choked up. A school of luxuriously colored tropical fish swam through the shallow water at the edge of the sand. I was ready to take my life, she carried on. Until I showed up at your seminar. Many of your nuggets of knowledge gave me hope. A lot of your words made me feel strong again. Not sure exactly what it was, but you pushed me to believe in myself and my future. I just want to thank you. She embraced the spellbinder. You've started me on the journey to optimizing my life. Thank you so much for your generous words, the spellbinder replied, 
appearing dramatically different from the way he looked the last time the entrepreneur and the artist saw him. Not only did he have that healthy glow people get from time in the sun, he now stood steadily and had gained a little weight. I'm grateful for what you've said, the spellbinder continued. But the truth is that I didn't start you on the quest to improve your life. You are changing your life by starting the process of bringing application to my insights and methods, by implementing my teachings. So many people chat a good game. They tell you all the ambitions they're going to get done and all the aspirations they plan to deliver on. I'm not judging. I'm just reporting. I'm not complaining, I'm just saying, most people stay the same their entire lives. Too frightened to leave the way they operated yesterday. Married to the complacency of the ordinary and wedded to the shackles of conformity while resisting all opportunity for growth, evolution and personal elevation. So many good souls among us are just so scared they refuse the call on their lives to go out into the blue ocean of possibility where mastery, the dignity of bravery and the authenticity of audacity await them. You have the wisdom to act on some of the information I shared at my event. You're one in a tiny minority of people alive today willing to do what it takes to become a better leader, producer and human being. Good on you. And I know transformation isn't an easy play. Yet, the life of the caterpillar must end for the glory of the butterfly to shine. The old you must die before the best you can be born. You're so smart not to wait until you have ideal conditions to step up to a work world and private life of stainless excellence. Great power is unleashed with a simple start. When you begin to close the loop open by your utmost aspirations by making them real, a secret heroic force within you makes itself known. Nature notices your effortful actions and then goes ahead and replies to your faithful commitment with a series of unanticipated wins. Your willpower heightens. Your confidence climbs. And your brilliance soars. A year from now, you'll be so happy you began today. Thank you, said the entrepreneur. I heard a man say he needed to lose weight before he could start running. Imagine that. Lose the weight so he could initiate the running habit. That's like a writer who waits for inspiration to begin the book, or the manager who waits for a promotion to lead the field, or a startup that waits for full funding before launching a status quo, disrupting product. The flow of life rewards positive action and punishes hesitation. Anyway, I'm thrilled I could contribute to your rise, in some small way. Sounds like you're at a difficult yet exciting time on your personal adventure. Please consider that a bad day for the ego is a great day for the soul. And what your voice of fear claims is a mean season the light of your wisdom knows is a splendid gift. We thought you were dead, the entrepreneur announced, unfiltered. Thank God you're okay. And I appreciate how humble you are. I believe the humblest is the greatest. Pure leaders are so secure in their own skin their main mission is the elevation of others. They have such self-respect, joyfulness and peacefulness within themselves that they don't need to advertise their success to society in a feeble attempt to feel a little better. I should also say, if I may, that there's a big difference between real power and fake power, the spellbinder explained, dropping even deeper into the guru mode that had made him so famous worldwide. Our culture tells us to pursue titles and trinkets, applause and acclaim, money in mansions. All that's fine, it truly is, so long as you don't get brainwashed into defining your worth as a human being by these things. Enjoy them, just don't get attached to them. Have them, 
just don't base your identity around them. Appreciate them, just don't need them. These are only forms of fake power our civilization programs us to believe we must pursue to be successful and serene. The fact is that should you lose any one of these things, the substitute power you derive from them evaporates. Just vanishes in an instant, revealing itself as the illusion it was. Tell us more, please. The entrepreneur was absorbing every word. Real power never comes from anything external, the spellbinder continued. A lot of people with a lot of money aren't very wealthy. Take that line to the bank, stated the spellbinder as he slipped off his bright yellow flip-flops and placed them neatly on the sugary sand. Genuine power, the stuff legends are made of, doesn't arise from who you are outside and what you possess externally. The world is lost right now. True and enduring power expresses itself when you contact your original gifts and realize your most lavish talents as a human. I should also say real riches come from living by the noble virtues of productivity, self-discipline, courage, honesty, empathy and integrity as well as being able to lead your days on your own terms versus blindly following the sheep that so many in our sick society have been trained to become. Sheeple is what too many people now are. The excellent news is that this kind of power I speak of is available to anyone alive on the planet today. We might have forgotten and disowned this form of potency we have as life has hurt, disappointed, and confused us. But it's still there waiting for us to build a relationship with it. And develop it. All of the great teachers of history own very few things, you know. When Mahatma Gandhi died he had about ten possessions, including his sandals, a watch, his eyeglasses and a simple bowl to eat from. Mother Teresa, so prosperous of heart and rich with the authentic power to influence millions, died in a tiny room containing almost no worldly goods. When she'd travel, she'd carry all her things in a white cloth bag. Why do so many of the heroes of humanity have so little, asked the artist, now relaxing on the sand. Because they've reached a level of individual maturity that allowed them to see the futility of spending their days chasing objects that count for nothing at the end and they had cultivated their characters to such a degree that they no longer had the common need of most to fill the holes within themselves with distractions, attractions, escapes and luxuries. The more their appetite for superficial possessions dematerialized, the more hungry they became for substantial pursuits like honoring their creative vision, expressing their inherent genius and living by a higher moral blueprint. They viscerally understood that being inspirational and masterful and fearless are all inside jobs. And once true power is accessed, external substitutes pale in comparison to the feelings of fulfillment this treasure provides. Oh, and these heavyweights of history, as they discovered their supreme natures, also came to realize that one of the primary aims of a wonderfully crafted life is contribution. Impact. Usefulness. Helpfulness. What business builders might call unlocking stakeholder value. Like I suggested at my seminar before I fell, to lead is to serve. The philosopher Rumi made the point much more brilliantly than I ever could when he observed, give up the drop, become the ocean. Thanks for sharing, offered the entrepreneur sincerely, sitting down next to the artist on the sand and placing one of her hands carefully only a short distance away from one of his. It's good to see you're doing better, mentioned the artist, his boots now off. He was sockless. As he basked in the strong rays like a sunbathing cat he asked, what the heck happened to you anyway? Exhaustion, confided the spellbinder. 
Too many cities. Too many airplanes. Too many media appearances. Too many presentations. I just ground myself down in pursuit of my mission to help people accelerate their leadership, activate their gifts and become heroes of their lives. I know better. The spellbinder then pulled off his sleek sunglasses and extended a hand to his two students. It's a great pleasure to meet you both. You too, brother, the artist replied. Your work has helped me make it through some tough times. As the artist spoke these words, he spotted a catamaran overflowing with festively dressed tourists whizzing along in the distance. Another school of fish, called capitaines, could be observed swimming busily in the clear water. The spellbinder spied them, smiled broadly and then continued. You must be wondering why I'm here, he stated. True, said the entrepreneur as she took off her shoes and twisted her feet into the white sand alongside her companion. Well, I've been advising Mr. Riley since he was a 33-year-old man. All pro athletes have peak performance coaches, and so do all extraordinary business people. You just can't get to Iconic alone. He was starting out when we met, but even then he understood that the more one learns, the more one can achieve. Growth is the real sport that the best play, every day. Education truly is inoculation against disruption. And as you become better you will have better, within all arenas of your life. I call this the 2x3x mindset, to double your income and impact, triple your investment in two core areas, your personal mastery and your professional capability. Love it, the artist said as he scratched his flabby belly. Then he picked at a decrepit toenail. Mr. Riley understood, early on, that to rise to world-class, you need world-class support. We've become fantastic friends over the years. We've shared tremendous joys together, like five-hour-long lunches with palm heart salad, fresh grilled prawns and excellent French wine here on this private beach of his. The spellbinder stretched his arms into the air. He looked over at the mighty mountains. He remained silent for a few moments. And we've experienced deep sorrows together as well, like the time my buddy got sick with cancer just after his 50th birthday. He appeared to have everything a man could desire. But without his good health, he realized he had nothing. That one changed him. Health is the crown on the well person's head that only the ill person can see, you know? Or, as one tradition says, when we are young we sacrifice our health for wealth and when we grow old and wise we realize what's most important and become willing to sacrifice all our wealth for even one day of good health. You never want to be the richest person in the graveyard, you know. He beat it, though, the spellbinder quickly added, staring at the noisy tourists partying on the catamaran. Just like he defends himself against everything that tries to defeat his dreams. Stone's an amazing guy. I love him like a brother. Well, look, it really has been good to meet you both, the spellbinder continued. I heard you were coming. Mr. Riley's tremendously excited to share what he promised he'd share with you about reaching maximum productivity, sustaining exceptional performance and creating a life you love by coding in a superior morning routine. I'm pleased he's paying it forward and sharing what I, as his mentor, taught him. You'll love all the insights and learning models that will soon be coming your way. The 5 a.m. club will be revolutionary for you both. I know it sounds strange and unbelievable, but being exposed to the methodology Stone is about to teach you will cause outstanding shifts deep within you. 
just being around the information will awaken something special in you. The spellbinder put on his chic sunglasses. Anyway, Mr. Riley asked me to tell you to make yourselves at home here over the next few days. You won't see a lot of me because I'll be snorkeling, sailing, and fishing most of the time. Fishing is one of the things I most love to do in life. I come down to Mauritius not only to coach the great and kind soul you'll soon meet, I show up here to regenerate and get away from this overcomplicated world of ours, flush with so many difficulties, damaged economies, saturated industries, and environmental decays, just to mention a few of the factors that threaten to bring down our creativity, energy, performance, and happiness. I show up here to renew and refuel. Elite production without quiet vacation causes lasting depletion. Rest and recovery isn't a luxury for anyone committed to mastery, it's a necessity. I've taught that principle for many years, yet I forgot it myself, and paid the price at the event. I've also learned that inspiration gets fed by isolation, away from the ceaseless digital diversion and mindless overcommunication that dominates the hours of the majority these days. And, know too that your natural genius presents itself when you're most joyful. We get our ideas that change the world when we're rested, relaxed, and filled with delight. This tiny spot in the Indian Ocean helps me reaccess my best. It's also a genuine sanctuary of safety, staggering beauty and awesome gastronomy, with affectionate people who still wear their hearts on their sleeves. I just adore the Mauritians. Most still have an appreciation for the wonders of life's simplest pleasures. Like family meals or swimming with friends, followed by sharing a roast chicken dinner purchased from the Super U, washed down with an ice-cold can of Phoenix. Phoenix, asked the artist. It's the beer of Mauritius, replied the spellbinder. And I must say that I always leave the island 100 times stronger, faster, centered and fired up. I really work hard in my everyday life. I hope this doesn't sound like vanity, but I care so much about uplifting society and am so committed to doing my part to reduce the greed, hatred and conflict in it. Coming here remakes me. Reconnects me to what's important. So I can go back and work for the world. We all work for the world, you know? Anyway, you two have fun, okay? And thanks again for coming to my seminar and for your positive words. They mean more to me than you could ever know. Anyone can be a critic. Takes guts to be an encourager. Being a high-impact leader never requires being a disrespectful person. I wish more leaders understood this principle. Oh, one last thing, the spellbinder added as he flicked some sand off his camouflage pattern surf shorts. What? asked the entrepreneur in a respectful tone. Please be here on the beach tomorrow morning. Your training will begin then. Sure, agreed the entrepreneur. What time? 5 a.m., came the reply. Own your morning. Elevate your life. Chapter 8 The 5 a.m. Method, The Morning Routine of World Builders It is well to be up before daybreak, for such habits contribute to health, wealth, and wisdom. Aristotle Welcome to the 5 a.m. Club, the billionaire bellowed as he bounded down the steps from his seaside home, Bonzer. That's Creole for good morning. You're right on time. I love it. Punctuality is the trait of royalty. At least it is in my playbook. Stone Riley's my name, 
he declared as he graciously extended a hand to greet his two guests. The tattered old clothes had been replaced with a black pair of trimly caught running shorts and a pristine white t-shirt with the line no idea works until you do the work emblazon on it. He was barefoot and cleanly shaven, seemed extremely fit and sported a wonderful suntan, all of which made him look many years younger than he had appeared at the seminar. On his head he wore a black baseball cap, turned backward. His green eyes were still uncommonly clear. And his smile was astonishingly radiant. Yes, there was something exceedingly special about this man, as the entrepreneur had sensed. A white dove hovered over the tycoon, floating in the air for about ten seconds as if suspended by magic. Then it flew off. Can you imagine this? It was a miraculous thing to see. Let me give you two a hug, if you don't mind, the billionaire enthused, wrapping his long arms around the entrepreneur and the artist at the same time, without waiting for a reply. God, you have courage. Yes, you do, he mused. You trusted a disheveled old man. A total stranger. I know I looked like a vagrant the other day. Hey, it's not that I don't care about how I look. I just don't care that much about how I look, he said as he laughed at his own lack of self-consciousness. I just like to keep things real. Nice and simple. Completely authentic. Makes me think of that old insight, having lots of money doesn't make you different. It just makes you more of who you were before you made the cash. The billionaire peered out into the ocean and allowed the early rays of a fresh dawn to wash over him. He closed his eyes and inhaled deeply. The contours of his chiseled abdominal muscles were noticeable through his t-shirt. Next, he pulled a flower from the back pocket of his black shorts. Neither the entrepreneur nor the artist had ever seen a flower like this one. And it wasn't at all damaged from being in the billionaire's pocket. Strange. Flowers are very important to anyone serious about creating magic in their work and private lives, spoke the mogul as he sniffed the petals. Anywho, I wanted to mention that my father was a farmer. I grew up on a farm, before we moved to Southern California. We thought simple, spoke simple, ate simple and lived simple. You can take the boy out of the country, you know but you can't take the country out of the boy, he added, expressing an enthusiasm that was contagious while his sights were riveted on the magnificent sea. The entrepreneur and the artist thanked the billionaire profusely. They explained that their adventure so far had been phenomenal and mentioned sincerely that the island and his exclusive beach were more beautiful than anything they had previously seen. Utopia, isn't it, said the billionaire as he put on his sunglasses. I am blessed, that's for sure. I'm so glad you cats are here. So, was it your father who got you into the habit of getting up with the sun? Asked the artist as they strolled along the water's edge. A tiny crab raced by while three butterflies ascended above. Stunningly, the billionaire started twirling around like a whirling dervish. While he spun, he began to shout these words, I would have it inscribed on the curtains of your chamber, if you do not rise early you can make progress in nothing. Um, what are you doing? questioned the entrepreneur. It's an excellent quote from William Pitt, the Earl of Chatham. For some reason I just felt the need to share it right now. Anywho, let me answer the question about my father, the billionaire said awkwardly. Yes and no. I watched him rise early every morning of my childhood. As with any good routine, he did it so many times that it became impossible for him not to do it. 
but like most kids, I resisted what my dad wanted me to do. I always had some form of rebel within me. I'm a bit of a pirate in a way. Rather than fight a small war with me every day, for whatever reason, he just let me do what I wanted to do. So, I'd sleep. Late. Cool father, spoke the entrepreneur, who was dressed in yoga gear this morning and carried her device with her to take careful notes. He was, affirmed the billionaire, warmly putting his arms around his students as they continued to walk slowly along the pristine beach. Mr. Riley continued. It was actually the spellbinder who taught me the 5 a.m. method. I was a young man when I first met him. i just launched my first company. I needed someone to guide me, challenge me and develop me as an entrepreneur, a peak achiever and as a leader. Everyone said he was the best executive coach in the world, by far. He had a three-year waiting list. So, I called him every day until he agreed to become my mentor. He was pretty young back then, too. But his teachings had a depth of wisdom, a purity of power and an ingenious impact that was remarkably advanced for his age. In the early rising discipline helped, the artist broke in. The billionaire smiled at the artist. And stopped walking. It was the one practice that changed, and elevated, every other practice. Researchers now call this kind of a core behavior that multiplies all your other regular patterns of performing a keystone habit. Wiring it in as a profound neural pathway took some effort, a little suffering along the way and the strongest commitment I had in me. I'll be honest with you, there were days during the process of automating this routine that I was cranky, days when my head pounded like a jackhammer in mornings when I just wanted to keep sleeping. But once I locked and loaded getting up at 5am regularly, my days grew consistently, and vastly, better than anything I've ever experienced. How, both listeners wondered aloud, in unison. The entrepreneur touched one of her fingers on the artist's arm affectionately, as if to suggest they were together in this experience, that they were now a team and that she had his best interests at heart. The artist locked his eyes onto hers. A gentle grin emerged. The billionaire went on, in this time of exponential change, overwhelming distractions and overflowing schedules, getting up at 5 a.m. and running the morning regime the spellbinder taught me was my antidote to average. No more rushing in my morning. Imagine what that alone does for the quality of your day. Starting your day luxuriating in the quietude only the early morning provides. Beginning your day feeling strong and centered and free. I found that my mind became dramatically more focused as the days progressed. Every great performer, whether we're talking about a championship athlete, a top-tier executive, a celebrated architect or a revered cellist, has developed the ability to concentrate on optimizing their particular skill for long, uninterrupted periods of time. This capability is one of the special factors that allows them to generate such high-quality results in a world where too many people dilute their cognitive bandwidth and fragment their attention, accepting poor performances and ordinary achievements while leading lives of disappointing mediocrity. I definitely agree, indicated the artist. It's rare to see someone focus on their art for many, many hours in a row these days. The spellbinder was right when at his session he called people addicted to their devices cyber zombies. I see them every day. It's like they're not real human beings anymore. More like robots, glued to their screens. Not present. And half alive to life. I hear you, said the billionaire. 
protection from distraction is precisely how you need to work if you're serious about dominating your field and winning at your craft. Neuroscientists call this peak mental state we're speaking of, where our perception becomes heightened and our availability to original ideas rises and we access an all-new level of processing power, flow. And rising at 5 a.m. promotes the flow state gorgeously. Oh, and by getting up at before daybreak, while almost everyone around you is asleep, my creativity also soared, my energy definitely doubled, my productivity surely tripled, my. You're serious, the entrepreneur interrupted, unable to contain her fascination with the idea that a simple shift toward a bespoke morning routine could reorder a human life so completely. Absolutely. Honesty has been one of my core convictions for all my years in business. Hello, listener. Thank you for listening to our content. Remember to follow us here on the platform. We prepared a graphic of the book with the author's key points and main ideas. Click that book graphic link in description now and have access to an illustrated material with simple and easy steps so you know everything about the book in minutes.